Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. of political extremism, white supremacy, domestic terrorism that we must confront and we will defeat. <laughs> to overcome these challenges, to restore the soul and secure the future of America requires so much more than words. It requires the most elusive of all things in a democracy, unity, unity. In another January, on New Year's Day in 1863, Abraham Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation. When he put pen to paper, the President said, and I quote, if my name ever goes down into history, it'll be for this act, and my whole soul is in it. My whole soul is in it today. On this January day, my whole soul is in this, bringing America together, uniting our people, uniting our nation. And I ask every American to join me in this cause. <laughs> uniting to fight the foes we face, anger, resentment and hatred, extremism, lawlessness, violence, disease, joblessness, and hopelessness. With unity, we can do great things, important things. We can right wrongs. We can put people to work in good jobs. We can teach our children in safe schools. We can overcome the deadly virus. We can reward, reward work and rebuild the middle class and make health care secure for all. We can deliver racial justice, and we can make America once again the leading force for good in the world. I know speaking of unity can sound to some like a foolish fantasy these days. I know the forces that divide us are deep and they are real. But I also know they are not new. Our history has been a constant struggle between the American ideal that we're all are created equal and the harsh, ugly reality that racism, nativism, fear, demonization have long torn us apart. The battle is perennial, and victory is never assured. Through Civil War, the Great Depression, World War, 9-11, through struggle, sacrifice, and setbacks, our better angels have always prevailed. In each of these moments, enough of us, enough of us, have come together to carry all of us forward. And we can do that now. History, faith, and reason show the way. 
the way of unity. We can see each other not as adversaries, but as neighbors. We can treat each other with dignity and respect. I promise to fight every single day. One, I, I'm a fighter and I'm relentless, but I'm a fighter and I'm relentless. A fighter and I'm relentless. I will fight like hell. But the way I see it now is that we pick ourselves up and we fight back. And we fight back. We do not back down. We do not compromise. Not today, not tomorrow, not ever. You can stand your ground and fight back. We do fight back, but we are going to fight back. We are not turning this country over to what Donald Trump has sold. We are just not. We can whine or we can fight back. Me, I'm here to fight back. I'm here to fight back. That we fight harder, we fight tougher, and we fight more passionately for than ever. As Joe Biden says to fight, it's about fighting of what we're fighting for. We will tell them about what we did to fight. Truly about um, a fight. But truly, I do believe that we're in a fight. I believe that we are in a fight. I believe we are in a fight. I believe we are in a fight. So there's a fight in front of us, a fight for all of these things. And so we're prepared to fight for that. We know how to fight. Our ongoing fight, a fight. We know how to fight. We like a good fight. We were born out of a fight. This is what is our fight right now. We still have a fight on our hands. Fight hard for the changes Americans are demanding. Get in the fight to winning the fight, to fight fighting, please fighting. We'll use every tool possible to fight for this change. We'll fight, we'll fight to fight fighting hard, serious about fighting and fight. We gotta get on our front foot and fight back. Problems, we call them out and we fight back. I'm in this fight. I am fighting. I am fighting. Get in this fight. Get in this fight. Get in this fight. And fighting, we all need to be in the fight. We all need to stay in the fight. We stay in this fight. We fought back. We fought back. I am not afraid of a fight. I am in this fight all the way. You don't get what you don't fight for. Our fight, our fight. We are in this fight for our lives. But we are going to make sure that this fight does not end tonight. This is a fight for our lives, the lives of our friends and family members and neighbors. It is a fight, fight, and it is a fight that we're gonna work to make sure continues. It's a fight, it is a fight, it is a fight, and that's what this fight is for. Well, I'm wired to fight anyone who isn't doing their job for us. I'm John Tester, and you damn right, I approve this message. And I'll have lots of fights ahead of us, and I'm ready to stand up and keep fighting. We have to fight. For, we're going to fight. We're going to fight. We need to fight, 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 and we need to fight. We're going to fight. We got a few more fights. We're going to take the privilege of a few more fights, and we have the biggest fight of all. I will never stop fighting. We need to say loud and clear that we are ready to fight. It's a bare knuckles fight. Now they're going to have to actually fight back against people. The fight has to be conducted. It's so important that we need to fight 
fight that fight. We have been fighting. I was fighting very hard. Time is of the essence, both in terms of the fight. I think we should be fighting. Well, I, I really believe we need to fight. and We're simply not going to take this line down. We're going to keep fighting. So I'm telling all my colleagues, this is the fight of our life. Whose side are you on? Who are you fighting for? They're fighting, but I'm fighting. We're both fighting. We will fight back. We're not going to just take this line down. I'm just going to keep the fight up. What we have to do right now is fight as hard as we can. We have to rise up and, and fight back. And so we're going to fight and we're going to continue to fight. I am going to be fighting, fighting like hell. We keep fighting, 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 or we kept fighting and we did. So we're going to keep fighting. We have to be fighting every, every uh, single day. We have to fight back. But I want to start with a discussion of the fundamental due process lacking from the start. And that would last through the end if this goes forward, because it is this irretrievably flawed process and its product, a dangerous snap impeachment that brings us here and that threatens to send a message into the future that we will all regret forever and that stain this body, which up to now our founding fathers believed was uniquely suited for the most difficult task of conducting an impeachment trial, as Mr. Hamilton wrote in Federalist 65. These aren't just niceties. I make no apology for demanding in your name, in the name of the Constitution, that the rights to due process guaranteed under the Constitution are adhered to in a process as serious as this in our national lives. The denial of due process in this case, of course, starts with the House of Representatives. In this unprecedented snap impeachment process, the House of Representatives denied every attribute of fundamental constitutional due process that Americans correctly have come to believe is part of what makes this country so great. How and why did that happen? It is a function of the insatiable lust for impeachment in the House for the past four years. Consider this. I want to say this for Donald Trump, who I may well be voting to impeach. Donald Trump has already done a number of things which legitimately raise the question of impeachment. I don't respect this president, and I will fight every day until he is impeached. That is grounds to start impeachment proceedings. Those are grounds to start impeachment. Those are grounds to start impeachment proceedings. Yes, I think that's grounds to start impeachment proceedings. I rise today, Mr. Speaker, to call for the impeachment of the President of the United States of America. I continue to say, impeach him! Impeach 45! Impeach 45! So we're calling upon the House to begin impeachment hearings immediately on the impeachment of Donald Trump. Would you vote yes or no? I would vote yes. I would vote. I would vote too much. Because we're going to go in there, we're going to impeach the mother uh, But the fact is, I introduced articles of impeachment in July of 2017. If we don't impeach this president, he will get reelected. My oath requires me to be for impeachment, have an impeachment hearing, and he's the scarlet eye on his chest. The representatives should begin impeachment proceedings against this president. It is time to bring impeachment charges against him. Bring impeachment charges. My personal view is that uh, he richly deserves impeachment. I'm here at an impeachment rally, and we are ready to impeach, Bob! This president has radicalized so many more people than ISIS ever did. As the biggest terror threat in this country is white men, most of them radicalized right, to the right. 
and we have to start doing something about them. Trump has delivered on the things that they care about most. He has delivered racism for these people. He has delivered misogyny for these people. The same type of rhetoric, the same type of propaganda that you would have seen in Germany in 1938, the dehumanization, turning people into infested vermin. Look, the young people in this country are not with this sort of evil, nasty authoritarianism. You Republicans have to call this out because their souls are on the line. Yeah. So he has a giant cult. He also heads a party that knows very well that he's a giant cult. Of his erratic behavior, his ignorance could pose a profound danger to every single person in this country and literally every inhabitant of the planet Earth. President's obviously a racist, he's obviously a demagogue, he obviously condones anti-Semitism, stokes up nationalist hatred, all the stuff we've said. That's propaganda. That's what happened in Nazi Germany. This radical group of right-wingers who've perverted our democracy and really are doing what they can to ruin our country. This whole caravan in the last week of the election is a giant lie. This is Trump's Reichstag fire. Yeah. Look, evil lurks in the hearts of men, <laughs> and it does, and what Trump has tapped into is evil. We're going to see if this reign lasts for 30 days, or two years, or a thousand-year Reich. What Trump does with the power that people give him is turns it to evil. Here we are after the carnage, and this man... This moral monster is playing to those base instincts. It's not even a question of whether it's presidential behavior or not. It's not minimally human behavior. There's no way that he's going to prevail because he's evil. He's dark. It's the opposite of what America stands for. This has now become a struggle about good versus evil. And the president of the United States is evil. Grabian, the multimedia marketplace. Obviously, we have the acute issues with the Colonial Pipeline ransomware attack, but looking more holistically in a macro view, how does this speed up the efforts at DOE to move in more of a renewable direction since this is going to have an impact on people at the pump? Yeah, I mean, we obviously are all in on making sure that we meet the president's goals of getting to 100% clean electricity by 2035 and uh, net zero carbon emissions by 2050. And, um, you know, if you drive an electric car, this would not be affecting you, clearly. Um, but it's just, it's another, it, it's, I, I don't want to, this company um, is acting in a responsible way. Uh, they took their pipeline down so that the ransomware would not spread. And so up to this point, they have, they're carefully reviewing so that they're doing this in a responsible way. Uh, the broader issue is a very important issue. It's an issue for the president's uh, priority in the American Jobs Plan, the issue of investing in a transmission grid, for example, so that you don't have the cyber issues associated with it. So there's a lot of broader questions in this. Um, and we hope that we'll be able to see that investment in infrastructure that will facilitate clean. I am for defunding the police. Yes, I support the defund movement. Why use the word defund? Why use the word defund? And it's like, this is the word that's coming from the street. Many affluent suburb, suburbs have essentially already begun pursuing a defunding of the police in that they fund schools. Not only do we need to disinvest for in police, but we need to completely dismantle the Minneapolis Police Department. The Minneapolis Police Department is rotten to the root. Defund the police does not mean abolish the police. 
it means a dramatic reduction in the number of police in our poor communities. Police are terrorizing black and brown communities. The evidence is clear across the country. The Taliban also has to make an assessment about what they want their role to be in the international community. Like many veterans, this last week has been one that has seen me struggle through anger and grief and rage. The feeling abandonment of not just a country, but the sacrifice that my friends made. I've been to funerals from Poole to Dunblane. I've watched good men go into the earth, taking with them a part of me and a part of all of us. And this week has torn open some of those wounds, left them raw, left us all hurting. And I know it's not just soldiers. I know aid workers and diplomats who feel the same. I know journalists who've been the witnesses to our country in its heroic effort to save people from the most horrific fates. I know that we've all been struggling. And if this recall has done one thing, let me tell you now, Mr. Speaker, it's achieved one thing already. I've spoken to the Health Secretary, who's already made a commitment to do more for veterans' mental health. Yeah. This isn't just about us. The mission in Afghanistan wasn't a British mission, it was a NATO mission. It was a recognition that globalization has changed us all. The phone calls that I am still receiving, the text messages that I've been answering as I've been waiting, putting people in touch with our people in Afghanistan, reminds us that we are connected. We are connected still today. And Afghanistan is not a far country about which we know little. It is part of the main. That connection links us also to our European partners, to our European neighbours, and to our international friends. And so it is with great sadness that I now criticise one of them. Because I was never prouder than when I was decorated by the 82nd Airborne after the capture of Musakala. It was a huge privilege, a huge privilege to be recognised by such an extraordinary unit in combat. To see their Commander-in-Chief call into question the courage of men I fought with, to claim that they ran, it's shameful. Those who have never fought for the colours they fly should be careful about criticising those who have. Because what we've done in these last few days is we've demonstrated that it's not armies that win wars. Armies can get tactical victories and operational victories that can hold a line. They can just about make room for peace, make room for people like us to talk, to compromise, to listen. It's nations that make war. Nations endure. Nations mobilize and muster. Nations determine and have patience. And here we've demonstrated, sadly, that we, 
the West, the United Kingdom does not. Now, this is a harsh lesson for all of us. And if we're not careful, it could be a very, very difficult lesson for our allies. So let's just say there's a vaccine that is approved and even distributed before the election. Would you get it? Well, I think that's going to be an issue for all of us. If and when the vaccine comes, and it's not likely to go through all the tests that needs to be and the trials that are needed to be done. When we finally do, God willing, get a vaccine, who's going to take the shot? Who's going to take the shot? You can be the first one to say, put me, sign me up. They now say it's okay. And the question of whether it's real when it's there, that requires enormous transparency. You got to make all of it available to other experts across the nation so they can look and see. So there's consensus, this is a safe vaccine. If the president announced tomorrow we have a vaccine, would you take it? Only if it was completely transparent that other experts in the country could look at it. Only if we knew all of what went into it. If Donald Trump can't give answers and administration can't give answers to these three questions, the American people should not have confidence. But if Donald Trump tells us I should that we should take it, I'm not taking it. Everyone should be testing and we should be using rapid tests. This is a massive failing by this administration. Two weeks ago, uh, Jen Psaki was asked at a press conference about uh, getting more tests to the public. And she very dismissively suggested in, in a really sarcastic tone, oh, do you think we should just mail these tests out to everyone? Yes, that's exactly what I think you should do. I think you should mail these tests out to everyone. The, the Trump administration missed an opportunity to mail masks out to everyone. This administration should be mailing tests out to everyone. They should be available at your post, off, at post offices and, and civic centers and, and city halls. You should be able to pick them up on your way home from work. In Great Britain, you can walk into a pharmacy and get eight free tests. This notion that uh, people are going to submit their, uh, the, the receipts for their $24 test to their insurance company is fanciful. Imagine what would happen to vaccination in this country if people had to pay for it up front and then bill their insurance companies. That wouldn't work. Same thing is for mm -hmm. testing. So we need to get our act together. We need to you know, mobilize, uh, uh, manufacture, produce hundreds of millions of these tests and make them ubiquitous. That's how you're going to keep businesses open. That's how you're going to keep Broadway open. That's how you're going to keep your kids in school. This administration is very late to it. Very, very late to it. Yamish. Thanks so much, Mr. President. Um, you've said over and over again that immigrants shouldn't come to this country right now. This isn't the time to come. That message is not being received. Instead, the perception of you that got you elected as a moral, decent man is the reason why a lot of immigrants are coming to this country and entrusting you with unaccompanied minors. How do you resolve that tension? And how are you choosing which families can stay and which can, can go, given the fact that even though with Title 42, there are some families that are staying? And is there a timeline for when we won't be seeing these overcrowded facilities with, run by CPB when it comes to unaccompanied minors? Well, look, I guess I should be flattered. People are coming because I'm the nice guy. That's the reason why it's happening, that I'm a decent man or however it's phrased. That, you know, that's why they're coming, because no, Biden's a good guy. Yeah, I hope you guys have a wonderful Christmas as well. Uh, Merry thanks. Christmas, and let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. I agree. <laughs> hey, by the way, where are you in Oregon? Where's your home? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> hey, well. I hope you have a wonderful. Yeah, I hope you guys have a wonderful Christmas as well. Merry Christmas, and let's go, Brandon. <laughs> 
Bye-bye. <laughs> and welcome back to Flyover Politics Podcast. It's December 26, 2021, and this is our year in review. Yeah, we started with civility. We had fights and yelling and defund, and we laughed at your gas all year long. I've been putting these little sound bites up. You got the Afghanistan. I know it's a long primer, but you know, it ends nicely with let's go, Brandon. And I think that is just the best damn way to do this show. I mean, 100% sums up what we've done as a country. We've fucking hired a moron. Just a moron. But I was going to have a long one like I usually do and cover certain things. But I've been putting up these little sound bites all year long. And Mama got me a new AKG Lyra podcast mic. Ooh, it's so sexy. I don't like how the cord goes, but there's nothing I can really do about it. Um, I'll eventually like tape it down or something, make it a little, little better. But I think it's got a good sound. Did a couple tests. I hope it sounds good for you. Took the gain down, so it's not too bad. And she's up painting. Got a new Martin Truex Jr. shirt. Got my Hot Wheel case. Look at that, man. I never had one of these when I was a kid. So I uh, got my Hot Wheel case and new JBL earbuds, which are really nice for the podcast and uh, for work when I listen to my podcast while I'm slave laboring camping. So decided to go today while she's upstairs painting the living room and uh, playing with her toys. Uh, Santa hooked us up, had a great Christmas. Um, I got enough beard shit for the rest of my life, which I love. And as stated, a new mic. I've always wanted one of these for the look. Um, it's a pretty microphone look at that thing yeah uh hd quality goodness so um i think the intent today is to cover a little bit of uh new stuff like let's go brandon and then go over the worst of the worst so how i pretty much broken it down when i i saved it it's pretty funny it's pretty much what we do uh on this show we got a little cnn um, we have, uh, some hate, which is always there. We have, uh, some media stuff and of course, woke, a lot of woke this year. Um, so we're going to do quite a few of those and a little Tucker, some of the best of Tucker. So let's get on in to the show is how I finished that sentence, but I was so excited to hook this son of a bitch up. I forgot to uh, have an audio source on my other scene, so excuse me on that. But we're a media show. Um, may come across conservative, but anybody who's listened to a very long time, we aren't down with the Trump or GOP or any of that shit. We're just conservative peoples. Um, and to be quite honest, our media's garbage, which is what... I pretty much cover all the time. So when you look at everything, um, by 2018, we have just lost uh, a new study found that only 30% identify themselves as being conservative, trust the media. But now that number just keeps going. By 2020, polls shows number of Americans with trust in mass media hits an all-time high. With no trust, excuse me. 
Um, CNN's ratings have dropped 68% in primetime this year. Um, they had a rating collapse. MSDNC is in more trouble than CNN. Seemingly never really gets asked why. And in the quarter, the answer could not be more clear. Why do Trump, Russia collusion, Covenant Catholic High Schooler, Nicholas Sadman, the BLM riots, January 6th, and Kyle Rittenhouse, and Colum? Answer, all represented the American people by the mainstream media. And it just keeps going on and on. And if you look at this chart, um, even blues are having a problem with it. And then you have the aforementioned, let's go, Brandon, Mediate. Kid's father sits, let's go, Brandon, live on air during President Biden's calls. And this is how it's written. Uh, I took it a stride when a parent blurted out, let's go, Brandon. The President, First Lady Jill Biden, calling Norad and event, da, da, da. But one parent of four children from Oregon tells you pretty much everything. By, by the way, we watched the Pendleton, now called St. Uh, Paul Rodeo in Oregon. I didn't know that many conservative people. And they literally had a guy say, hey, if you're from Portland, say this. And the guy joked, you probably shouldn't identify yourself. Because that's just the fact. Um, but after Biden spoke to each of the children, I hope you have a wonderful Christmas. And blurted out, let's go, Brandon. The president said, let's go, Brandon. And then the caller disconnected. For the uninitiated, let's go, Brandon, trying to originate with some NASCAR fans, Talladega, Talladega chanted, fuck Joe Biden, a race winner, Brandon Brown. That moment has made let's go, Brandon, a stand-in for the more profane version with opponents of President Joe Biden. But there's an added dimension. Some conservatives believe that the reporter's mistake was actually a deliberate and instantaneous divide, divided, devised effort. And, and of course it was. ABC. Father uses vulgar insult during holiday call. A man used a vulgar insult for president when calling into Christmas event on Friday and speaking with President Joe Biden and First Lady. Biden is speaking, blah, 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 children, what they wanted for Christmas. A father identified himself as Jared, spoke with the Bidens about this. Then, as the call ended, said, let's go, Brandon. The phrase is a vulgar insult that has become code for fuck Joe Biden. So if we do a search on the Google, father says, let's go Brandon to president. Oregon Live. Uh, father four told president, uh, sorry, I clicked back. Let's go, Brandon, on Christmas Eve. Fox, Dad tells Let's Go, Brandon. Oregon Dad claims Let's Go, Brandon, during, or claims Let's Go, Brandon call was a joke. Uh, let's see all the big one. Business Insider. Dad who, Slate, who said Let's Go, Brandon, to Brian on Santa Tracker. Oh, we got to read some Slate. And, and there's a purpose to this. Um, Mediate, Washington Examiner. Let's go, CNN. I bet they didn't even cover it. Well, this is just fucking weird. Let's try this. CNN. Boom. Something was going wrong with my computer there for a second. 
<laughs> Surf now. I need to do a whatchamacallit. Let's go to CNN. Uh, hippie. Let's see if we can find it. You know what? It's uh, as I stated, it's not there. New York Times. Father says, "Let's go, Brandon, to president," and it ought to complete. So, New York Times didn't cover it. The Guardian didn't cover it. Uh, Brandon just wants to drive his race car. Is what they covered on the New York Times. Um, Slate, let's go, Brandon, to Biden on Santa Tracker call. Insist it was just a joke. Schmeck isn't a Trumper and characterized himself as free thinking America. Another one I found from S Stephen Miller, uh, a blue check Democrat. Consider the mentality here of the father whose child is excited to talk about Santa Claus and also get to talk to the president, first lady. But he waits out the end of the call to sneak in a cutesy way of flipping off the president. Stephen Miller. Hope the let's go Brandon dad's taxes are in order. He should probably lock down his trash, make some space in the lawn for a CNN van. Somebody said, if it happened to Trump... The media would celebrate. And that's the point. And the counterpoint or the additional point to it is the simple fact Biden didn't even get it because he is fucking senile. It sums up the whole year. A man who is not all there together, he's not doing very well, anybody with an IQ above a potato knows this, and he just goes along with the let's go Brandon. Somebody's told him this, but no, yeah, let's go Brandon. It is a summation of how fucked up we are. The media, social media, down to running polling stations, elected a president who they didn't even want. But they are so Trump fixated that all they could think of is Donald Trump being president and they couldn't, they couldn't handle it. So it could have been a potted fucking plant to use one of Ben Shapiro's things. Then on the Christmas stuff, before we get into the meat and potatoes the toxic phrases we need to stop saying around the holidays and it's all food shaming now remember these people said they're going to bring back science civility and they simultaneously say you're an anti-american piece of shit if you don't want to take 45 jabs of a vaccine that they didn't want to do that's why i played it they didn't want to take that. And I would guarantee, I don't think Biden has. The motherfucker's asymptomatic, they're saying. He was in his fucking basement for about two weeks during the campaign. I don't think a lot of them got vaccinated. 
because it was Trump's vaccine. They fear-mongered it to the point that nobody wants to get it. Then they told everybody, you have to fucking get it. But to the point, obesity, a guy like me, 260 pounds, 5'10", even though I'm more healthy than I've been in the last three years, I'm in one of those risk groups. Yet, the left keeps pushing, fat is beautiful. When really, those are the people that should be concerned about it if you follow science. Then in our new to NBC News, let's never forget, sadly, that Dante Wright was initially pulled over for an air freshener hanging on the rearview mirror. Yamichi Alcindor out there pushing a debunked Sean King claim. Officer pulled right over on the afternoon of April 11th for a traffic violation related to expired registration tags. And that's a recurring theme this year also. They just make shit up. And then they stay with the lie, and they don't change the lie. They just keep rolling that fucking lie. Because they can. New York Times, by the way, stirred up Omicron panic with an article... Some expressed frustration and alarm about what they described as a timid public health response and bemoaned the appeared lack of will among politicians and society at large for more aggressive steps. Despite Mr. Biden's advice on Tuesday, Americans planning family celebrations with grandparents or other potentially vulnerable individuals or planning New Year's Eve festivities of friends should reconsider, some experts say. Stay locked down. Just lock it all down. And I'm fucking up because I forgot my slideshow. So here we go. Which one is this? Let's blow it up to make sure. I think this is Yamachi. I'm just all fucked up. See, I didn't mentally prepare for this. I, I Literally, I just got kicked downstairs. Just go do your fucking podcast. I want to paint. Merry Christmas. <laughs> New York Times displayed big double standard on 1-6 and 9-11 conspiracies. I'm not going to read the article because you all know it, and, and it's true. Remember, uh, a fucking CNN people signed it. They believed... George Bush and Cheney crawled in to the World Trade Center and wired that shit to blow. But back to COVID. The frustrating thing after a year of personally being vigilant and getting vaccinated and boosted and still masking everywhere in choice of those who refused mean we are reliving last year's holiday conditions and we didn't have to be. I'm so angry about this. Anger about the way I'm worrying again about my health and my loved one's health. And while I will always prefer a structural explanation over an individual one, I'm pretty mad at willfully unvaccinated folks who don't have health restrictions. And real talk, you can persist in your holiday gatherings and such if you want to. But it isn't wise. These government folks don't want people to riot, so they've refused to have lockdowns. We clearly need, so y'all take precautions seriously. Let's, let's, let's look at that statement, riot. What riots were there? People got permits to be armed in Michigan. There are a couple driving riots, because every time the right protests, it's a riot. You motherfuckers burned the world down in 2020 over social justice, which seemed to be a good way to get a free TV. Oh, but but she continues. And I'll say that one structural explanation that makes sense to me is that we did not build a society where people care about the collective good. Socialism. So telling people to protect others didn't work. Folks mostly care about themselves. 
Democrats, that, that's you project yourself on the world. There's no neat end to this thread. Just a sincere plea to upgrade your mask, stay in the house, try one more time to convince someone you love to get a booster, and take care of your mental health as much as possible in a cold, dark season this year. The media is feeding this because they're all from this bubble. They live in the world of fear. CDC study says unvaccinated people are 29 times more likely to get be hospitalized. Unvaccinated Texas, 40 times. They're just making it up. There's no studies. There's nothing that proves any of this. Any of it. And if it was so important, why don't we have rapid tests? Oh, I know why. Because the same people that trust the science did everything the opposite of Trump. Warp speed got canceled. Therapeutics got ditched. All those pills didn't get streamlined. We didn't do it because all along it was bullshit and they knew it. 380,000 people, 400,000 a year dying of the flu doesn't make people freak out. But they weaponized it for political gain. And now they roll that shit. This is another part with that cult. Just a cult. It's all just a cult. And how do I know it's a cult? Not only do they wish him happy birthday, a guy who funded what we all got and ruined the world's economy. I have a year's worth of woke. Enjoy. Turn it up. Stop normalizing white people going tanning to the point where you can tell a difference. Like, go ahead, go out in the sun, but purposely going and tanning to make your skin darker is literally blackface. Point blank, period. It's literally blackface. And you can't change my mind. You are not, you're not a woman. You don't look like a woman. You don't act like a woman. The confrontation started inside. Understand that if active duty military actually get deployed within the United States, that weapon is not just pointed at other people, other countries. It's pointed at you. If you do not get in your house when I tell you to, you become the enemy. Marshall. This land is your land. This land is my land. From California to the New York Island, from the Redwood Forest to the Gulf Stream waters, this land was made. How is eating meat racist? I'll gladly tell you. 
Looks like we've got an oppressor on our hands. So, during slavery times, slaves did not get to eat the same things as their masters. They got the scraps that no one wanted. Chitterlings. Now, that black people have overcome slavery, they developed a rich barbecue culture to make up for all the meat-eating that they lost out on. So when you go to the store and you buy a piece of meat as a white person, you are actively taking away a piece of meat that could be being enjoyed by a survivor of ancestral slavery. Eating meat is not only racist, but it's also anti-Semitic. During the Holocaust, Jews did not get to eat meat in labor camps. They ate potato soup, which would spill on their bodies, burning them and giving them infections. Now, Jews survivors eat a lot of meat, brisket. Just let them have that. Stop appropriating everything. Look at this stuff. Isn't it neat? Competent leaders getting us back on our feet. The American Rescue Plan. It has almost everything. A year into this mess, recovery unfolds. How many wonders can one rescue plan hold? Reading it over, you'd think, really? No Republicans voted for this thing. It's got direct relief to American families. It's got a path to reopen our schools. Cost of childcare? Tax credits, baby. It's like they care. It's a big f deal, but wait, there's more. Don't you want to be where the people are? Don't you want to go, want to go out dancing, having convos with those, what are they called again? Oh yeah, friends. Some folks thought we could reopen bars, but good strategy is required to reopen safely. The tree before my spirit falls again. Fill up the stockings. I might be rushing things, but deck the halls again now. Oh, we need a little Christmas. Right this very minute. Candles in the window. It was very inspiring to see a Hanu do something that they they were not sure they were going to be able to do. I just felt really thankful for a Hanu for creating our family. Oh, I just put it over here. The baby has been able to latch, but I've not been able to produce any milk. It's okay because we're going to supplement the feeding with formula so that my baby's still getting the, the nutrients that they need, but I'm still feeling hopeful. I appreciate you so much for all your work. And I appreciate you also, baby. And perspective now from CNN political commentator, Mary Catherine Hamm and Paul Begala, Democratic strategist and also CNN political commentator. Mary Catherine, good to see you. We just heard the, the, knee, the reaction from elected Republican officials, even House Majority Leader Kevin McCarthy tweeted yesterday, quote, big tech and big government want the same thing to control you. But when it comes to actually scientific data and facts, why shouldn't there be an effort to help people find the truth? 
Well, I think as Facebook has said that they already sort of attempt to do that. I, I feel like the Biden administration is sort of biting the hand that feeds them in this case. Look, I have talked about these vaccines being a miracle, the way they were developed and developed so quickly. Back when even Kamala Harris was saying that she was skeptical if something came out during the Trump administration. Like, this has been a problem on both sides of the aisle, and it's not good. Um, but I think this goes beyond that. This is a speech issue. And I think we would be really clear-eyed about that if it were a Republican administration. Now, there's that thing where people say it's not a speech issue, Mary Catherine, because they're not actually, the government's not actually censoring. They're not doing the job. They're asking Facebook to do the job. Well, this comes pretty close. This is a strategic partnership with a communications platform that the executive of the United States says is killing people with speech. That's pretty chilling of speech. And frankly, Facebook has clapped down pretty hard on stuff that's not just misinformation. Um, and Frank, we just did a segment on a, a story about the lab leak theory, which was a credible theory a year ago, but was called misinformation because it was inconvenient information that people didn't want to discuss. And that was actively censored on social media platforms when it shouldn't have been. Mm. So I worry a little bit about what will be actively censored now from apparently marching orders from the executive of the United States. Paul, is, is this uh, censorship? No, not even close. I mean, that's just nonsense. I'm sorry. But I actually took the time to read uh, Dr. Vivek Murthy's uh, report today, the Surgeon General. And I think it will stand up the way the Surgeon General's report in 1962 did about pollution being bad for our health. In 1964, the Surgeon General issued a report about how smoking is bad for our health. Well, Facebook is bad for our health. They're polluting the information environment. And I'm glad that the, the White House is calling it. By the way, a great many conservatives agree with this. They're always uh, complaining about big tech. But this is critically important. You've, we've, we've covered this every night. Something in the order of 99% of the people who are dying from COVID now are dying because they didn't get a vaccine. And the vaccine is available. And we need to reach those folks. The way the algorithm works, uh, according both to Dr. Murthy's report and other research I've done, it promotes the familiar it promotes something you've seen before. It promotes something that's popular. It doesn't promote something that's true. They could change their algorithm. That's not the government, that's a company. They could change their algorithm to promote things that are true from trusted sources. They don't do that. Why? Because the negative holds you on their platform longer. They make more money from hate. And that's what they're in the business of, is making money. Well, just the way government regulates pollution in cigarettes, the government but ought Paul, to make sure that Facebook is doing their job. Paul, pollution information sorry. is a speech issue. That's what you're talking well, of about. Of course it is. What, you deem, what <laughs> you deem to be pollution of information as dictated, your wish is dictated by the executive of the United States with the force of the government behind it, strongly suggesting that a private company deal with the pollution of information becomes a speech issue very quickly. And I think you would see that very clearly if this were the Trump administration. I say it, I see it very clearly, Mary Catherine, but I don't have the right to use free speech to say that Anderson Cooper shot a man in Reno just to watch him die. Right. There are limits and you to think, speech and you think when that, people but, are dying because they can't get this vaccine and companies are making profit. No, people are getting the profit. vaccine. And you object to their conversations that you think are problematic about no, the vaccine. No, I object to the that algorithm promoting. killing people. No, Speech does no. not kill the people. It just doesn't. And it, once you go down that road, it becomes very but dangerous. Paul, Paul, just especially people, when those words are coming out of the government. Paul, just because people have access to information which may be inaccurate or, or you know, shades of gray in a matter of opinion, uh, it doesn't mean that they... 
I mean, they, they have free will. Uh, shouldn't people have, have information? I mean, don't we live in a society where we believe people should have a lot of information and they can make up their own minds about things? People who are not getting vaccines, it's not that they've never heard that vaccines are incredibly beneficial and they haven't se they've seen the facts. They're just choosing to make a different decision. Some have seen the facts and some haven't. But uh, they, people should have a right, obviously, to say anything they want. I think Mary Catherine is, is, is perhaps I'm not explaining my position clearly enough for Mary Catherine. Uh, I'm not saying that speech should be regulated. I am saying that Facebook ought to look in the mirror and tell the truth, which is they make more money through hate. They make more money through misinformation. They're not the government. They're a for-profit corporation. And so they deliver money for their shareholders. That's their job. But they are making more money by spreading more lies. And if you read the, the report, the Surgeon General doesn't suggest any kind of censorship whatsoever at all. He's simply saying he goes through what we can do as individuals, as communities, but as I think educators. Paul, uh, sorry, but Paul, I think, I mean, having, I've had several arguments, you know, or, or interviews with some Facebook people over the years. Their argument is we are, we are a platform right. for people to have conversations and meeting and, and communities and stuff. We are not the arbiter of, you know, in some cases we do, we have standards that, that, that violate. I get there's all sorts of problems with their standards, but that is their position. I, I don't know that their position is, you know, we're, I think I'm, your argument that they're profiting because they want lies on their site, yes. I, I'm not sure that's accurate, is it? Their algorithm promotes anything that keeps you on the website longer. And that is usually the negative the misinformation uh, in the report today, the Surgeon General says untrue stories are 70 percent more likely to be uh, uh, promoted uh, by, by us, but also by Facebook. It's it's I guess if, it were, if I were James Carville, it's the algorithm, stupid. They are adding velocity to the lies. I'm not saying people shouldn't have the right even to say that yeah. Aunt, Aunt Blabby shouldn't get the shot because it's somehow yeah. going to hurt you. But but when Facebook promotes that and accelerates yeah. that, that's a problem. It's just, it's walking a real sly and I think problematic line when yeah. the actual executive is saying that speech is killing people, which is not, that's not a position I agree with. And I don't think it's one that Paul would agree with uh, under any other administration. And the thing is this counteracts their actual goal because are skeptics convinced by the idea that the government is saying to Facebook, hey, we'd really like you to shut up all these people we disagree with. We're gonna be here for much long because of the climate crisis. We only have a few months left. I love that you support the Green Deal, but it's not getting, you know, getting rid of fossil fuel is not going to solve the problem fast enough. A Swedish professor saying, you know, we can eat dead people, but that's not fast enough. So I think your next uh, campaign slogan has to be this. We got to start eating babies. We don't have enough time. There's too much CO2. All of you, you're, you're, you know, you're a pollutant. Too much CO2. We have to start now, please. You are so great. I'm so happy that you really support a nuclear deal, but it's not enough. You know, even if we would bomb Russia, we still have too many people, too much pollution. So we have to get rid of the babies. That's a big problem. Just stopping having babies is not enough. We need to eat the babies. And this is it's a fucking cult. That, that's just the tip of the iceberg. I got to eat the babies because when they weren't doing crazy shit like that and you saw it on social media, they're all up in your schools. Everything is
radical cram school. We're gonna learn about social justice, revolution, and how to be powerful in the bodies that you have. celebrate pride on the progress we've made over these past years, there's still work to be done. So to those of you out there who are still working against equal rights, we have a message for you. You think we're sinful? You fight against our rights. You say we all lead lives you can't respect. But you're just frightened. You think that we'll corrupt your kids if our agenda goes unchecked. Just this once, you're correct. We'll convert your children. Happens bit by bit, quietly and subtly, and you will barely notice it. You can keep them from disco, warn about San Francisco, make them wear pleated pants, we don't care. We'll convert your children. We'll make them tolerant and fair. At first I didn't get why you'd be so scared of us turning your children into accepting, caring people, but I see now why you'd have a problem with that. Just like you worried, they'll change their group of friends. You won't approve of where they go at night to protest. Oh, and you'll be disgusted. When they start finding things online that you've kept far from their sight Like information Guess what? You'll, You'll still be, be alright We'll convert your children, yes we will Reaching one and all, there's really no escaping it Cause even grandma likes RuPaul And the world's getting kinder Gen Z's gayer than grinder. Learn to love, learn to vogue, face your fate. We'll convert your children. Someone's gotta teach them not to hate. Because some of the topics that we're, uh, we're going to talk about, we are going to be talking about some inequalities, social inequalities. And the one thing that you do need to know is it's gonna to be tough. It's gonna to be tough talking about some of this stuff. But you need to be able to recognize within yourself and within others the difficulties of speaking about certain things. I'm about to teach a unit on social justice. The lesson that um, I taught 
is the first class of a unit. And this is where we establish ground rules. So let's jump in. I'm sharing my screen right here. This my name is Allison Dempsey. This year I'm teaching fifth grade social studies in Sunset Park, Brooklyn. Racist teaching and learning is upholding the systems and sort of like the classroom hierarchy. Inquiry-based learning challenges that model because the children guide the learning. So what are some racial differences that you've noticed around you? Who would like to share? People are different, so they get treated based on like um, how they look um, and what the, who would cite it as like um, the dominant culture. What is the dominant culture? What does the dominant culture do? They it make people believe certain stereotypes about a certain group of people, not just um, blacks, but also um, browns or um, indigenous. Um, anybody whose skin color is um, darker. Dominant culture is for powerful people with power and white people make other people think that black people are bad. So that's why black people don't have power. Sesame Street is introducing two new black Muppets as part of Spot the Difference by Key, Woke Kindergarten. Can you spot the difference? 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 Now, can you find something? All right, more breaking news. We have a sad development we just learned of out of Florida. WFOR is reporting that four teachers from Broward County have died of COVID in a single day. The teacher's union chief told the affiliate that three of the four, at least three of the four, were unvaccinated. The status of the fourth not currently known. The county, of course, in a tense standoff with Governor Ron DeSantis over masks. DeSantis is threatening the district for, for requiring masks be worn in the schools. Uh, since August 1st, we're told that Broward County had 138 employees test positive. That is stunning, right? That number. And as we understand it, two of these teachers are actually from the same school. I, I think this is going to this is going to be met, obviously, with a lot of grief by that community. And it's just showing the cost of covid there, especially for the unvaccinated in one day. Uh, and this is the context with which these officials in Broward County are asking for the freedom to make the decisions that they think are right for their schools. Yeah, to protect not just the kids, mm -hmm. right, but the teachers as well. Oh, that's just a lot of shit. We got the scram, the gay choir, teacher telling people to fuck off, another teacher, Muppets, spot the difference. And my last one to bring us back to COVID, which is the cult of all cults right now. It does the, it overdoes the alpha, 
alphabet people and the gay mafia and everything's racist. Um, it is the ultimate cult. Broward County wasn't in session when those teachers died, so. Yeah. But they're so invested, this administration, to keep the lies up that we're a racist piece of shit. They're going to bring in the UN because we're all racist. Not caring that we have dildo fucking monkeys. Yeah, you remember that this year? They put the whole DOJ through white supremacist training, even though there are no white supremacists. While one of their icon did the OK symbol, which we have all been told is racist. They ignored the fact that they were actually looking for black babies, which is the sole purpose of Planned Parenthood. Marion Webster's decided to go ahead and change the definition of anti-vaxxers, which is no longer against vaccinations, but the government's mandate. We have, un- we have woke so many words this year. It's actually really fucking embarrassing when you break it down. But then you get into stats and nobody wants to hear it. Per the CDC, of the 378,000 death certificates listed at COVID in 2020, only 20,792 listed just COVID with no comorbidities. Per the CDC, there is no known studying showing mass help stop the spread. In fact, more people are starting to say the cloth ones do nothing. Multiple studies show natural infections confer greater protection than vaccines. In many regions, lockdowns led to more than two times as many deaths because you shoved them in their house and then everybody got COVID. Per the CDC, among the 73 million children in America, just 1,790 were hospitalized. Eight died with comorbidities. America's self-appointed COVID savior, Dr. Anthony Fauci, repeatedly lied under oath about his role in sending Chinese tax dollars. Data now shows increasing the pace of currently available vaccination will not stop the spread of COVID as Israel, where at least 70% have gotten the vaccine. Per the CDC, for those under 24, the chance of dying in a car crash is 10 times higher than COVID. Per the CDC, there were just 7,772 deaths from COVID alone from August 2020 to August 2021. Among those under 74, in 2019, there were two times as many murders, 18,551. If that didn't float your boat, wow! The study suggests that roughly half of all the hospitalized patients showing up on COVID data dashboards came in for a different reason. They didn't go there for COVID. They got tested and found out they had COVID. Which brings up one of my favorite threads this year. The religious tenets of COVID. The Church of COVID Vaccination. If you get sick after the first vaccination shot, it's because you didn't have the second shot. If you get sick after the second vaccine shot, it's because 21 days didn't pass yet since you had the second shot. If you get sick after more than 21 days since the second shot, then the role of the vaccine was for you not to get gravely ill. If you get gravely ill, then the role of the vaccine is keeping you from dying. If you die, then at least you should be consoled knowing that no vaccine is 100% effective. And anyhow, your death, it's the fault of those right-wing anti-vaxxers. 
Furthermore, because of the interesting times we are living in, you should also know the following. If you get ill or die because of the vaccine, the vaccine manufacturer cannot be held liable. The government who's mandating you to get the vaccine also can't be held liable. The nurse who jabs you can't be not liable. But if you refuse to get vaccinated, then you're responsible for every single COVID death in America. Through LGBT cult, everybody's racist cult, and the cult, trying to go without my brace, can't do it, of COVID, no reason to date, befriend Trump voters. California, just like they did under illegal immigration, before the case is even found, is going to become a sanctuary state where state taxpayers are going to play for travel, food, and everything else. Yet the studies are out. 62% of unvaccinated people say they're never going to get the shot. And the Obama people that are actually running this country, have you noticed how strikingly similar, similar both the mindset and actions are between the suicide bomber at Kabul airport and the anti-mask, anti-vax people? They both blow themselves up and flick harm of those around them and are convinced they are fighting for freedom. This is literally why we'll have our next segment of just fascism. Straight up fascism. They're just fascists. Any way you cut it. We had some people start saying, what about if it was true? But we still haven't gone there. While the entire media complex treated a guy who didn't trust science, but did trust sexually harassing everybody, was the greatest person ever and should run for fucking present, along with Avante. And then you have this thread, which I thought was really, really good. You're struggling to understand why some people are vaccine hesitant. The let, the let me help you mega thread. Imagine you're a normal person. The year is 2016, rightly or wrongly. You believe most of what you see in the media. You believe polls are broadly reflective of public opinion. You believe doctors and scientists are trustworthy and independent. You're a decent, reasonable person who follows the rules and trusts authority. Imagine you're shocked then when Brexit, which you were assured won't happen, happens. The day after, oh well, you say these things happen. Imagine that soon after Donald Trump is running for president, you're told your favorite media publication he's going to lose. Some experts say his opponent has a 99% chance of winning. And now the racist monster they, they told you would never get near the White House is the leader of the free world. How did this happen, you ask yourself? How could all people in charge of informing me be so wrong? It was the Russians, they tell you. The Russians did Brexit, Brexit and they got Trump elected. Imagine that for the next 3.5 years, you watch as the media and the political class run with the Russia collusion narrative. They tell you the how, when, and where. The dossier, the whistleblowers, the peeing prostitutes. Man, your desperation for things to make sense. The Mueller report is coming, and it will set your world straight. Evidence of the foreign meddling in 2016 election or Brexit is coming to save your unsettled mind. Imagine you're shocked then when you discover that Brexit and Trump had little to do with foreign meddling. The screaming about Russians and Brexit dies down as well. Imagine that bit by bit you discover the events which the media or political class told you would not and could not happen, not only happen, but happen without some sort of evil interference. Instead, millions of your fellow citizens voted for them. Again, you ask, 
How could this happen? And again, the media has the answer. Racism. Your country is racist, they tell you. If you're white, this seems strange to you. Other than a handful of idiots, you've never met a racist. If you're an ethnic minority immigrant like me, this seems very strange. Why would people in... Why would people in one of the world's most welcoming, tolerant countries in the world want to convince themselves their countries are racist or is racist when it's so obviously not? But the evidence is right there on your TV screen. Imagine your horror as a guy, a gay black actor, is assaulted by mega hat wearing thugs who racially abuse him and put a noose around his neck. He cries while talking about it. Imagine your outrage as you see news reports of a bunch of mega hat wearing kids from a religious school contemptuously confront a Native American. Reza Aslan tells you the kid has a punchable face and while you abhor violence, it's hard not to agree with him. Imagine that for days you watch a coverage of these events with expert after expert, pundit after pundit, sharing and fueling your outrage about them with every word your belief that you are a good person and that your country is a good country wavers. Imagine that soon after, however, the Jesse Smollett story turns out to be an attention-seeking hoax. Imagine that you quickly discover the Native American elder was the one who was confronting the kids. If this is such a racist country, you ask yourself, why would you need to make up stories of racism? As you ponder this, you remember that for years now, you've been expected to go along with others' make-believe. You're expected to believe that whether you're male or female is not as simple as you thought. Whatever you learned about biology at school is wrong. You no longer know how many genders there are, and it seems dangerous to try to find out. Imagine reading that the experts of the American Psychology Psychological Association said that traditional masculinity is pathological and harmful. Imagine that you still want to believe the media and their experts, but now that requires you to think your country is racist, men are bad, and gender is a social construct, whatever that means. It is at that point that a pandemic emerges on the other side of the world. You're initially unconcerned, but a scene emerges from Italy and other countries that clear that something big is happening. You watch nervously as politicians give press conference after press conference, flanked by experts. The racist Donald Trump shuts down travel from China. In response, the mayor of Florence advises citizens to fight racism by hugging a Chinese person. Shortly after, Nancy Pelosi, a respected Democrat, visits Chinatown. There's no reason tourists or locals shouldn't come here. Thank God there are some sensible non-racist people who are overacting, you say to yourself. Imagine watching as Trump doubles down on this racism by claiming the virus came from Wuhan. But the UK chief medical officer tells you not to wear a mask and wash your hands. Instead, as lockdowns are introduced around the world, you diligently follow all the rules. You stay at home, only go out once and live off savings or government grants you're proud to be doing your part thanks to you and millions of your fellow citizens the first wave of the pandemic does not overwhelm the healthcare system while thousands sadly die you've helped to protect the country imagine your confusion as some people who have spent three months telling you masks don't work and you shouldn't wear them introduce mask mandates we're following the science to tell you this makes little sense but a pandemic is no time for questions as you cautiously go to the supermarket you notice that masks have made people far less likely to social distance you remember reading somewhere that bicycle helmets don't work similarly they give the wearer more confidence silly people you say to yourself if only they would follow the government's advice you turn on your tv to learn that shoppers at your local supermarket aren't the only ones who have been ignoring the rules. Neil Ferguson, the man who projections were used as bases, didn't wear them. Boris Johnson didn't. The lockdown continues. However, a man is killed in Minneapolis while they arrested for a petty crime. The man is black. The officer is white. The arrest is captured on video and quickly goes viral. Imagine your horror as you watch an officer 
do what he did. This is disgusting. I have to throw the book at him overnight. A huge campaign for racial justice comes. No one explains what racism had to do with the incident, but they don't need to. As you know by now, the West is racist. And therefore, any time a white person does anything bad to a black person, there can only be one explanation. The fact that an identically incident happened to a white man called Tony Timpa is never mentioned. While the lockdown rules remain in place, the protests against injustice spill on the street. Tens of thousands of people crowd major cities. Few wear masks. Social distancing is non-existent. Clashes with police ensue and the American protesters loot stores, attack residents, starts fire. An officer named David Dorr is murdered. So are dozens of other. The media describes these events as mostly peaceful as the reporters stand in front of burning buildings after months of harsh restrictions. The media and political class offer no criticism of protests while violating every element of lockdown. After months of telling you to stay at home to avoid spread, COVID doctors explain rather than being a mass COVID spreading event, protest, profound public health intervention. Big tech companies going to overdrive and stop the spread of disinformation. All discussion of alternative points of view regarding the efficiency of mask and lockdowns censored. Attempts to discuss the negative impact of lockdowns on health censored. As the year runs on with a pitiful American election looming, President Trump promises a huge push to to develop vaccines. Camilla Harris says she ain't taking it. So does the president. On the eve of the election, a publication in America releases a damage report that Hunter Biden's son, president candidate, is a piece of shit, I'm paraphrasing. Twitter and other social media call it Russian disinformation and suppress it. Once his father wins her election, it becomes clear that every element of the story are likely accurate. Meanwhile, the number of COVID patients and deaths turn out to have been wrong. For some time, anyone who died at any point after a positive COVID test, even by a drunk driver, was covid this figures later rise again. The number of people who are in hospital because of COVID also turns out to be incorrect. Now that racist Donald Trump is no longer present, closing borders no longer considered xenophobic and widely advocated for in the media. Imagine your horror as you learn that the reason thousands of people died in the first wave of the pandemic was that elderly patients of COVID were pushed back on their home. It was Como. Cuomo. Meanwhile, Texas and Florida, which remain open, continue to thrive. The man making the rules for you does not follow them. It's a point that vaccine, which you were initially told would need to give to the vulnerable before restrictions are lifted because the main drive of government policy and media commentary. The same people who told you Brexit would never happen, Trump would never win, that when he did win was because of Russian collusion, then because of racism, that you must follow lockdowns where they don't, that masks don't work, and then they do work. The protests during lockdowns are health intervention that ransacking black communities in the name of fighting racism are mostly peaceful and Jesse Simlet was a victim of a hate crime that men are toxic that there is an infinite number of genders that COVID doesn't didn't come from a lab and that it's probably did that closing borders is racist and then that is the most important thing to do that the Hunter Biden story is Russian disinformation and then that it's not that they would not take Trump vaccine and that you must take it these same people are now telling you the vaccine is safe. You must take it. And if you don't, you will be a second-class citizen. Understand vaccine hesitancy? Now, you add on. There is no inflation. There is no supply chain problem. Afghanistan wasn't a fiasco. Nothing 
they say is true. So of course people don't. And it all comes from hate. But first, you gotta play some media spin. They're just chanting death to America, but they seem friendly at the same time. It's utterly bizarre. At the president, as soon as we leave our compound, it's clear who is now in charge. Taliban fighters have flooded the capital. Smiling and victorious, they took this city of six million people in a matter of hours, barely firing a shot. This is a sight I honestly thought I would never see. Scores of Taliban fighters and just behind us, the U.S. Embassy compound. Some carry American weapons. They tell us they're here to maintain law and order. Everything is under control. Everything will be fine, the commander says. Nobody should worry. What's your message to America right now? America already spent enough time in Afghanistan. They need to leave, he tells us. They already lost lots of lives and lots of money. People come up to them to pose for photographs. They're just chanting death to America, but they seem friendly at the same time. It's utterly bizarre. At the presidential palace, the Taliban are now guarding the gate. They say they're here to fill the vacuum left when the government fled. But the welcoming spirit only extends so far, and my presence soon creates tension. They've just told me to stand to the side because I'm a woman. The Texas Democrats who blocked a voter suppression bill and fled to D.C. are showing how to fight for voting rights. More than 50 elected Democrats left Texas last night to block the passage of new voter suppression laws. More than 50 Texas Democrats flee the state, all fighting for voting rights. These Democratic lawmakers are trying to stop a controversial voting law using the only tool they have left in a last-ditch effort to block a voting restrictions bill. They are running away to block a Republican effort there to limit the ways people can vote. Texas Republicans are trying to push through new restrictions. Restrictive voting rights bills. One of the most restrictive voting bills in the country. Why is this bill even necessary? Texas state Democrats are trying to fight back. But showing Democrats here in the Capitol how to fight. Democrats are bracing for their next battle against voter suppression efforts. You know, when you talk about what you're sacrificing, you are sacrificing a lot. Why was it so important to you to make this sacrifice? What are Democrats prepared to do to protect our elections? What are you, the voter, prepared to do? What do you say? I say that thanks to the work of, of networks like yours and others who really had to shine a bright light on that. White House cited a report that came out in May. The report uh, identifies the, it's what they call the disinformation dozen, 12 people, including Robert Kennedy Jr., yeah. but then a bunch of other people that, that you might not know their names, uh, who are sources of lies about the vaccine, uh, providing these 12 people, more. I think more than 60% of the lies uh, on Facebook uh, and so, uh, you know, I don't have an, uh, uh, an issue with, with Facebook um, dealing with it, but, you know, I guess a couple of things. First of all, is there not a, a, a problem here with the White House telling private companies what content to allow and what content not to allow? We, we see the opposite of this from conservatives who are, get mad when Nazis are taken off of, uh, off of Twitter or Facebook. 
Actually, uh, Press Secretary Jen Psaki was asked variations of that question several times in her briefing earlier today. Um, and instead, it, her response to those questions were actually pretty aggressive. They're like, at the, she was like, at the end of the day, these platforms are still contributing misinformation, and we all care about people being healthy, making sure people don't die because they're unvaccinated. So that's, you know, I'm sure they understand some of the concerns about concerns that some of the conservatives have been raising. But for the, for them, the message that they're sending at the end of the day is that, look, what matters here is that people are not getting the right information and that is having a fatal impact on the rest of the country. So uh, House Republican leader Kevin McCarthy uh, tweeted yesterday following the Surgeon General urging social media companies to get control of this misinformation that they say are, is killing people. Uh, McCarthy wrote, the Biden administration just announced they're working with Facebook to censor more Americans. Big tech and big government want the same thing to control you. As a reminder, America is a land of freedom. Um, what do you think? Sounds like a fundraising request to me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, this, the, it, 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 the entire Republican Party has just kind of adopted this. Uh, this is part of the whole uh, culture war package. Um, that has been that has been part of their messaging structure uh, this cycle. And I don't and it, it seems to be resonating. Right. I mean, they, they, they have no incentive to stop it because it is resonating with their base. It's cash is flowing in. And, uh, you know, I guess public health be damned. Well, if you don't, if facts and decency aren't important to right. you, then 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 there is no incentive. I mean, facts and decency mean a lot to a lot of us. But for, for McCarthy, I guess not. Um, at the same briefing, uh, somebody from Fox, which also has a lot of people on who say things about the vaccine that are not true, uh, asked a question premised on a lie, which was that uh, the White House was going through people's Facebook pages and private information to come up with this list. It's not true. But once again, we see another example of just lies making their way into the airwaves. But again, is you know, that Fox correspondent has every... I'm right to lie or, or be mistaken about this. I interview folks on the front line of trying to protect not just voting rights, but the, avoid voter nullification, which mm -hmm. a lot of people feel is the most ominous and haunting parts of these voter suppression bills. I'm sure you know the numbers, 389 of them speeding through 48 legislatures, 22 yeah. of them already signed into law. You could argue that President Biden might not have won states like Georgia if that law had been in place then, if you look at the numbers and the restrictions. I want to know if he sides with people like Beto O'Rourke and Michigan Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson, who say it is long overdue to reform the filibuster when it comes to voting rights legislation. He is very popular, not just in the Democratic Party, but I know as he and, and you all uh, point out with Republicans in the country who supported the COVID relief package overwhelmingly, whose support likely contributed to Republicans coming to the table on infrastructure. Um, would he play a similar role in bringing Republicans to the White House to work on a bipartisan compromise on voting rights? I know we get to talk to you today because of infrastructure. So um, just, just tell me how this came to be. I mean, I mean, I think it was a, a, the president's will to make sure that it was big yeah. and that it was bipartisan. And I know you've got grumbling on both sides, but this seems like quintessential President Biden doctrine driving this agreement today. Jen, I've walked in similar shoes to the ones you walk in now, I probably know. 23 and a half hours a day, I'm guessing. Um, 
how do you feel like it's going? And you know, you you get such high marks from the vast majority of the people in that room. Um, you you spar uh, a little bit with some of the president's detractors, but I'm sure privately, even they um, give you grudging respect. How do you feel like it's going? Look, I, I think that my role in there, Nicole, and you've walked in these shoes, so you know almost better than anyone, is to uh, hopefully rebuild trust with the public. And that sounds like big and broad and hard to reach, but I think what that means is having that back and forth and engagement. And as you know, it's the job of reporters and members of the media to push me and push us when we need to give more information, when something doesn't make sense. And that's part of democracy working, in my view. So, you know, some days I leave the briefing room and I think, oh, I wasn't quite clear. I wish I would have said that differently but I hope at the end of this that the public or people who pay attention to the briefing will feel like I provided information and I peeled back the curtains of what's happening in government and help them think it was working for them and I also hope that reporters even when we spar will think I treated them with with respect and even You know, the, Phil was talking about kind of where they would like to pivot their focus. Where would they like the administration, the White House would like their focus to be? A new NBC poll shows that Biden's approval has dipped below 50 percent for the first time in his presidency. He's clearly facing a lot of criticism for the handling of the Afghanistan withdrawal. That's a clear crisis. But do you think a win on Capitol Hill, if that's what this ends up being, will have people looking past the crisis that's unfolded in Afghanistan? I actually have lauded the president from the very beginning about Af Afghanistan. He was dealt a horrible situation. And as of today, he's done an extremely good job in this situation. The president, for what he was dealt and what he's done over the course of the last week, should be congratulated on the way this was done. Now, there's many things left to handle of the course of this situation. I think the president's done unbelievable yeoman's work. We know Bill Clinton used to say that a president's lucky to get a sentence. Uh, Lincoln saved the Union, FDR defeated the Depression, won World War II. Uh, Biden's well on his way to writing his sentence here. Uh, this is a significant investment in the country. Uh, it will rank, I think, with uh, what President Eisenhower was doing in the 1950s. Thanks so much, Mr. President. Um, you've said over and over again that immigrants shouldn't come to this country right now. This isn't the time to come. That message is not being received. Instead, the perception of you that got you elected as a moral, decent man is the reason why a lot of immigrants are coming to this country and entrusting you with unaccompanied minors. How do you resolve that tension? We can't ignore the historical significance here. How big of an accomplishment is this for President Biden at this point in his first, first year? Huge. And, and, and I think that's the way to think about this. What are the historical comps, if any, to this? Well, I don't think any Democratic president has had a more impactful first year legislatively since LBJ. In terms of any president, I think you've got to go back to Reagan's first year, where he, he was able to pass with by bipartisan margins uh, a budget plan that changed the trajectory of, of American politics in fundamental ways. This is a huge win. I've been going back uh, through my mind. Maybe, uh, maybe you can come up with a better week in American diplomacy overseas uh, over the past 20 years in the 21st century. I've been trying to figure it out over the past, uh, past 12 hours. I can't think of a more successful diplomatic trip in the 21st century than this one. It ain't nothing.
to get the United States of America and the EU on the same page. That's calling the Avengers together. It's pretty damn good. <laughs> Just listening to the words and the song and seeing the lights, President-elect Joe Biden and Vice President Harris pulled the grief and regret out of the privacy of our hearts, if just for a moment, so that we all could share it. Oh, what a first step. What a beautiful step. So I'm, I'm going to, you know, I'm reminded of the psalmist, you know, he heals the broken. And I know I replayed that, but that's a great synopsis of our media. It doesn't matter. Biden's beautiful moment. Maybe the dead can rest now with the arms. Hailing brave Biden's extremely good effort in Afghanistan. Hyping Biden's lame legacy. How do you resolve being such a moral, decent man? Yamichi Cinder, we played it. Most impactful year since Reagan. Best diplomatic trip of the century. Biden assembled... The Avengers. And while he's doing this, family members and peers are often best positioned to witness signs of mobilization to violence. Help prevent homegrown violent extremism. Visit GovFBI. Finding of misconduct by then senior FBI officials with the media in regards to Russia, Russia, Russia. Hmm, that's interesting. Gee, I wonder what... Uh, I guess I should make this bigger so you can see it. What was going on in the FBI between January and November 2016? Nothing to see here. Move along, folks. This is all the misconduct. This is what they were doing, working with them. And then we have actual proof that they have lied to conduct Congress over and over. Here's Fauci. Anyway, so let me just go on about NIH lifts funding pause on gain-of-function research. So let me explain this a little, because whenever this comes out, there's always the pushing back and forth from the press. So, like, NIH now is going to do dangerous research. No, actually, as a matter of fact, it's... A I don't have to do the whole thing. We played it. He admits it, yet he's still in charge. Pentagon distances itself from company investigating military extremism. They have outside agencies checking on us all the time. Joy Reid. This is the real Handmaid's Tale, a true cautionary tale for the U.S., which has our own far religious right dreaming of a theocracy that would impose a particular brand of Christianity, drive women from the workplace and solely into childbirth and control of politics. None of that's true. Neither was anything about January 6th. The FBI has found scant evidence that the January 6th attack on Capitol was a result of an organized plot, yet we still ran some shit out. CNN was running white supremacy with the tan. Cutting taxes for the rich helps the poor. There is no such thing as a Republican or Democratic judge. Climate change is a hoax. Some political myths refuse to die despite all evidence to the contrary. Here's another. When white people are no longer a majority, racism will fade and the U.S. will never be a white country again. It's a whole 1619. And then them cheering. 
the zealousness for people who trespassed. Federal judge in Washington, D.C. has repeatedly sent people who stormed the Capitol to more prison time the prosecutors sought, saying that even people who were not violent should face consequences. Even people, this is political targeting. Not sure the people yet replying, yeah, I realize how this is likely going to backfire on appeal. This is why they'll all be pardoned. Don't say you weren't warned. And they will. And of course the videos. I don't have to pay them. Play them. The Rittenhouse event. It's time to revisit the coverage of Kyle Rittenhouse with the news that he has been acquitted. We start with the media coverage. CNN. Sanctifying. New York Times. We went through all of this. He was a white supremacist. Then a real black supremacist attacks a parade. We don't even hear about it. It's gone. It's not in the media anymore. It doesn't exist. It went bye-bye. And then one of my favorites, just recently. That's the only way you'll hear about Lakeesan. She visited it. All the while and not in slides, updating the polling and looking at that actually if they didn't slant polling, Trump's approval ratings better than Biden's. This week, this is a huge story all over the media. There's no way he hears you. They um, spent all this time saying, fuck Trump, stop fascism, over and over and over, while our media did this since 2016. Advisor Dr. Anthony Fauci, he says misinformation has gotten so bad that the era of defeating a disease like polio in this country may be long gone. Here's part of our conversation. Disinformation and misinformation is really, really a problem. When we go out into the community and ask people why they don't want to get vaccinated, very often they come back with things that are really just not true. So that's one of the things that the Surgeon General, Dr. Vivek Murthy, the other day made an appearance at the White House press conference and really stressed the importance of countering misinformation with correct information. And that's really what we're trying to do, Jim, to get out there with trusted messengers to get people to understand the facts about vaccine. The numbers that you mentioned, Jim, are striking. 
you can't run away from those 99.5% of the deaths that occur from COVID-19 are among unvaccinated individuals. That's a striking statistic that yeah, people really don't believe that wake though. up everybody. But Dr. Fauci, people, there well, are people the out there who don't believe it. Yeah. Yeah, well, unfortunately, that's when you get into the misinformation, Jim. People don't believe something that is absolute statistical facts that are collected not only by the CDC, but by every organization that looks at this. And it's not just social media, though. Uh, the most watched television show on Fox News right now is uh, outright uh, hostile to the vaccine. And this environment, do you think we could have eradicated polio or defeated the measles uh, if you had uh, Fox News night after night uh, warning people about uh, these uh, vaccine uh, issues that are just, uh, no. you know, bunk? Well, that is a very good point, Jim. If you look at the extraordinary historic success in eradicating smallpox and eliminating polio from most of the world, and we're on the brink of eradicating polio, if we had had the pushback for vaccines the way we're seeing on certain media, uh, I don't think it would have been possible at all to not only eradicate smallpox, we probably would still have smallpox polio in this country if we had the kind of false information that's being spread now if we had that back decades ago i would be certain that we'd still have polio in this country mm. and the delta variant is a big factor in this surge too uh let me ask you about something the israeli prime minister has said in recent days he, he says that they are finding that the vaccine out of politics and the battle over voting rights the possibility of an Democrats is hanging over a special legislative session in Texas as Republicans try again to pass new voting restrictions. Hundreds of people waited for hours at the state capitol to testify against the plans, which would ban 24-hour polling places, ban drop boxes, and end drive-through voting. Democrats staged a legislative walkout in May to temporarily block action on new restrictions. Since then, Republicans have dropped demands to ban Sunday morning voting when many black churchgoers go to the polls and a provision to make it easier to overturn elections. At the same time, Texas authorities are accusing a Houston man who stood in line to vote for six hours last year of voting illegally. Irvis Rogers' determination to vote went viral on social media and now prosecutors say he was on parole for a burglary conviction when he cast his vote in the Democratic presidential primary. A conviction could lead to anything from two to 20 years in prison. Rogers got out on bail yesterday. He is being represented by the ACLU of Texas. You know, I'm one of those who believes that what Republicans are doing here, they're doing the debt work for the Democrats, meaning they're helping to do get out the vote. But the real problem that Democrats haven't really figured out how to fight is the changing of the administration. So now what? Chauvin is headed to jail. But is America headed to justice? Is justice convicting a police officer? Or is justice convicting America? When tens of millions of Americans after Floyd's murder last year took to the streets of nearly every American town, we were convicting America. Since 2013, more than 1,000 people have died at the hands of police, many of them mentally ill, many of them during traffic stops, like Dante Wright. Since the Chauvin trial began on March 29th, more than three people per day have been killed by law enforcement, 
many of them black and Latino and young, like Adam Toledo. It is easy to just blame individual officers like Derek Chauvin, but the problem is structural. The problem is historic. The problem is every single American who sees George Floyd and Breonna Taylor as dangerous, rather than the policies that led to health disparities, under-resourced schools, disproportionate black poverty and unemployment, and few resources for all of us suffering from drug abuse, from mental illnesses, from despair. Justice is not closing a case. Justice is not closing the cell door on Chauvin. Justice is closing the door on racist narratives and policies that endangered Floyd, that still endangers black people, that endangers America. Justice is opening the door to an anti-racist future where American fear is endangered, where I no longer live in fear, where Americans no longer live in fear of me. Justice has convicted America. Now we must put in the time. Joining us now to discuss Joseph D. McBride, attorney for Richard Bigo Barnett, seen here in a widely circulated image from the January 6th attack, sitting in a chair in House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's office. There appears to be three categories of defendants who will be sentenced at this point. You have the misdemeanor trespasser or illegal protester. You have an individual um, like Mr. Hodgkins who made it into sort of the Senate chamber, into the Holy of Holies during that time, during that sacred event. And it is very important not to lump everybody in, not to define every protester that showed up that day as an insurrectionist, which, by the way, no one has been charged with. Jeffrey Tubin, one of your own legal analysts, has said that insurrection should not be used in this case. You wrote an essay for LinkedIn uh, in, in which you said this. Uh, like the Gestapo did in Nazi Germany, the federal government is targeting anyone who dares criticize the decision-making process, questions its motives, or challenges its legitimacy. Uh, look, Nazi comparisons are usually a sign you've lost the argument, but do you still believe the federal government is acting like Nazi Germany in its prosecution of the capital attackers? Look, let's leave Nazis out of, out of this conversation. Well, you brought them into it, to sir. Prove a point. You brought them into it. Okay. Fair enough. Like the Nazis, like the Soviets in the Gulag, innocent men are, and women are being held in what we are calling D.C. Guantanamo Bay, pre-trial, absent any finding of fact. Pre-trial, they're being held for hundreds of days in solitary confinement. They're being beaten. They're being starved. They're being denied medical care. They're being denied, denied the right to worship. They're being cut off from their attorneys. They're being cut off from Mr. their McBride, family. Mr. McBride, you went on Russian. You went on a Russian television station to plead this case and make this point. Do you think if, a, if, a, if an attacker broke into the Kremlin and sat at Vladimir Putin's desk, he'd be treated better or worse than your client's been treated after attacking the Speaker of the House's office? If the media and the United States government does not want to hold itself accountable for the human rights violations that are taking place at D.C. Guantanamo Bay, then who better to hold us accountable than the inventors of the gulags of themselves? That is why I went there to prove that makes a point. Absolutely America no needs sense, to sir. wake up and understand that people are being tortured. Tortured. Are you okay tortured. with people being tortured? What's the example you have? Miles from you like to cite the White that? House right now? Pardon me? You're Would saying like people are being tortured what? by the White House. I just want to be clear. Because that's an extraordinary Tortured statement that would seem to be utterly unbased in fact. 
Oh, no, they are based, in fact, and when the, tr when, when the truth about the circumstances of confinement comes mm -hmm. out, you should be, you should hold yourself accountable for what you're saying right now. Do you think people should be held accountable for attacking the Capitol and trying to election, sir? Tortured. Tortured. Are you okay with torture? Are you okay with what the What about ACLU the, the Capitol Police who were tortured and attacked by the violent mobster? Does that bother you? Solitary confinement is torture. Solitary confinement is torture. Answer that question for me, good sir. Are you okay with pretrial detainees being tortured? You know what it sounds like, my Mr. McBride? It sounds like you and your clients still believe the big lie. The big lie? What does that mean? 75 million it people believe the big lie. It means lying about the results of the election. Mr. McBride, I want to thank you for coming on New Day, but I hope you would have more of a fact-based conversation with anything resembling okay. a sense of torture. perspective torture. about an attack on our torture. capital. Torture, Joseph McBride. Torture. Right? This is called the Great American Comeback, the economy roaring back in the first quarter. It's almost back to where it was before the pandemic. Not quite, but we think it'll hit that in the second quarter. The economy grew 6.4% in the first quarter. That's the best first quarter since 1984. That strong number showed huge gains in consumer spending and business investment. Goldman Sachs, Goldman Sachs estimate, estimates this economy could grow by 7% for the year. What a reversal that would be. That would be the best in 30 years. We know that layoffs have slowed. Weekly jobless claims still too high, but look at the trend there. Uh, jobless claims have been slowing definitively. The housing market is the strongest it's been in years. Home prices are setting records. Buyers are scrambling to find homes in a seller's market. Also setting records, tech earnings. The pandemic moved Americans' lives online. Microsoft and Google profits soared. People spent most of their lives in front of multiple screens during the lockdowns. And Amazon, Amazon has had uh, an amazing quarter, more than tripled its profit in the first quarter to $8.1 billion. And Amazon says it'll spend a billion dollars to raise wages for more than 500,000 workers. Also, record highs for stocks. Look at the major averages. The S&P 500 is up 12% this year. Uh, more people are getting back outside as restrictions are lifted, guys. Open Table CEO says nearly 80% of restaurants are open and taking reservations. McDonald's said sales are back to pre-pandemic levels. Delta will start selling its middle seat tomorrow. That's the last airline to return uh, to full capacity as demand for travel grows. Disneyland in California reopening with limited capacity to Californians. It shut its gates over a year ago. And the CDC, you guys, says that U.S. cruises could set sail again in July if the vast majority of the ship's passengers and crew are vaccinated. Now, the greatest risk to this recovery the resurgence of the virus, which is the best reason out there to get this vaccine, which is safe and effective. And, and it's true, not everyone is benefiting from the economy yet. That's where the Biden economic agenda comes in. He wants to make sure that forgotten Americans can benefit too, that this rising tide, and it is rising, lifts all boats, not just yachts, John. Um, if I have time, I have two, there's two things I find fascinating about this, Rome, is where we are right now. Number yep. one, this is not preordained. Look at what we just learned from Europe this morning. Europe is going in the exact opposite direction as the U.S. is booming. Yeah. And then the second thing is just the almost impossible growth in durable goods. Americans are buying big stuff at rates we've just never seen. And, you know, look, the savings rate, something like 20 percent or something, and the double-digit percentage for the, for the savings rate, which means Americans have taken those two stimulus checks, put some in their pocket, and the rest to work in the economy. That speaks well for the rest of the year, as Americans have some savings to draw down on. 
One thing I'm really interested in here, John, is the potential for a worker shortage. Um, you're starting to see Amazon, for example, r raising wages for a whole bunch of people. Costco did it last month. We know that a lot of frontline companies are going to have to raise wages to get workers back into the uh, back into the game. We also know that some frontline workers are retraining for jobs in tech and finance, right? Because of just the strain of the last year. So this will be a really important space to watch. We also know that the Federal Reserve is not worried about about this economy running too hot. The Fed chief this week has said there's no move to so-called taper all of the stimulus that's in the economy, John. Christine Romans, amazing times. It Good is. to see. So new this morning, Al-Qaeda delivering a warning to the U.S. So there is a crisis on the border. The last time the Border Patrol saw this number of migrants trying to cross in a month was two decades ago. This morning, the Ed Board for The Washington Post is demanding a, co a coherent strategy. So yes, President Biden has a real problem on his hands here, and his critics are capitalizing on it. Listen to former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich, who is echoing the tone of far-right extremists when it comes to immigration reform. They don't come all the way across Mexico for the purpose of visiting for two days. They want to be in America. And I think what's hard for most of us to accept is that the anti-American left would love to drown traditional classic Americans with as many people as they can who know nothing of American history, nothing of American tradition, nothing of the rule of law. Uh, and I think that, that when you go and you look at the radical left, uh, this is their, their ideal model is to get rid of the rest of us because we believe in George Washington or we believe in the Constitution. That is awfully close to what's known as the great replacement theory, the theory that white people are being replaced by non-white people, especially immigrants. In recent years, it has warped into a conspiracy theory that falsely alleges Jewish people are orchestrating the entire thing. It's ridiculous. Remember this moment from 2017 in Charlottesville. That is the same theory we're talking about here, also believed by a man who allegedly killed 11 at the Tree of Life Synagogue in Pittsburgh in 2018, and another man who allegedly killed 23 at a Walmart in El Paso in 2019. And now similar words from a former Speaker of the House. Former key Trump administration officials have also been openly slamming legal immigration. Take Stephen Miller, still a senior advisor to the ex-president. The cliche is, Illegal immigration equals bad, legal immigration equals good. But you've all heard that cliche before. The problem with that cliche is that just because something is legal doesn't always mean it's good, right? After five decades of record immigration, what we need is a timeout so that we can take stock of everybody who's here and those who are here lawfully and here's Steve Cortez, who advised Trump's 2020 campaign, suggesting a new form of a contract with America to former White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows. One of the things I would propose putting in there is a, a moratorium, a halt temporarily on even legal immigration. We need to halt the legal immigration until we can get something controlled at the southern border. Again, legal immigration. It is a process that is tough. 
so tough that green cards can take an average of over five years to get for immigrants sponsored by American employers or citizen family members. And that was in 2018 before COVID. It doesn't end there. Here's how Fox's chief propagandist compared what he described as mass violence committed by undocumented immigrants in the United States to Hungary's strategy. The Biden administration did this on purpose, and they're still doing it. And that is exactly why Democrats become hysterical when you mention the obvious successes that are on display here in Hungary on the immigration question. They don't want you to know that there is an option to the chaos and filth and crime growing all around us. Now, Hungary is run by a leader, Viktor Orban, who's put razor wire along the border to stop refugees from even trying to seek asylum. At one point, he'd kept over 100 refugees detained in border zones for over a year. It's been ruled illegal by the EU's top court, and that is the backdrop for that praise. And of course, there is more. Some conservative lawmakers and pundits, some of the same ones arguing against masking in schools to protect unvaccinated children, are saying COVID-19 is a problem, but only at the border. In Texas, new coronavirus cases are on a steep climb. The seven-day average hit nearly 12,000 new cases yesterday, but they say it's not the state residents' low uptake of vaccine that's to blame. If you ask Senator Ted Cruz, it's this. If you don't want to see this pandemic come back, come back with the Delta variant or many, most of these illegal immigrants coming in haven't been vaccinated. They're being put in cages with other people who are COVID positive. They're spreading COVID and then releasing COVID in our communities. This is lunacy. The Biden administration has been using a Trump administration policy known as Title 42. It means that hundreds of thousands of migrants at the southern border, including asylum seekers, can't enter because of the COVID public health emergency. Congressman Chip Roy, just a couple of weeks ago, said this. And here we are saying, oh, we're going to have to wear masks on the floor of the House, but we're going to do nothing to stop the flow of people coming across our border. Republicans should be ashamed of themselves. I introduced legislation for a discharge petition to require the enforcement of Title 42 so that we will turn people away at the border who have COVID rather than forcing this ridiculousness on the American people. Again, the Biden administration is enforcing Title 42. In fact, since Biden took over, uh, took office, over 510,000 people have been expelled under that rule. That is nearly twice as many people as those who were apprehended. And while Congressman Chip Roy is complaining about wearing masks, you know who also has to wear them? Migrants apprehended by Customs and Border Protection, according to a statement obtained by the Washington Post. CBP and Immigration and Customs Enforcement. Uh, and don't go near at home because the myth of the first Thanksgiving is just that, my friends. It is a myth. I turn the mic over to show favorite and my friend, Jassy Ross, to explain. That's coming up next. With Thanksgiving right around the corner, I wanted to turn the mic over to Cross Connection favorite and my friend Yassi Ross for this week's essay and his take on the real story of Thanksgiving and some history you probably never read in your school books. Okay. Nadanako Umakumsuka. My name is Jassi Ross. I come from the Amstapi Pukani Nation. The mythology of Thanksgiving closely mirrors the mythology of America. That mythology is the image that white Americans love to see of themselves. White settlers come to a strange land in good faith, bringing something of great value that enriches the people who are already here. The natives also bring something of immense value, equal exchange. 
that closely mimics the mythology of white America. It is how America wants to see itself. The truth, of course, of Thanksgiving is much different. The truth is pilgrims did not bring turkey, sweet potato pie, or cranberries to Thanksgiving. They could not. They were broke. They were broken. Their hands were out. They were begging. They brought nothing of value. But they got fed. They got schooled. Thanksgiving. It makes sense. There is much for white Americans to be thankful for. But I'm still trying to figure out what indigenous people received of value. Instead of bringing stuffing and biscuits, those settlers brought genocide and violence. That genocide and violence is still on the menu as state-sponsored violence against Native and Black Americans is commonplace and violent private white supremacy is celebrated and subsidized. From Stonechild Chief Stick to Mike Brown to Renee Davis to Breonna Taylor to Eric Gardner, Indigenous and Black people are still being murdered by those paid to protect us. From Ahmaud Arbery to Trayvon Martin, white Americans are still killing Native and Black Americans with no fear of reprisal. They brought chattel slavery to Africans and Native people. That still happens through the prison industrial complex that imprisons the descendants of enslaved Africans and Natives at far disparate numbers. That is the reality of Thanksgiving. Many of us are still waiting for white Americans to bring some value, still waiting for white America to match the mythology of Thanksgiving. Freedom, justice, equality, reparations for two and a half billion acres of stolen native land, reparations for 246 years of stolen labor, reparations for stealing native children. Stop the killing. It's still happening. Stop the theft. It's still happening. Return the land. Match the mythology. Then and only then we can all be equally thankful. Peace. Do you, I mean, do you believe that? Do you believe all white people are inherently racist? So I, I don't know if you're backing me into a corner with that question, but yes, I, I do. Racism, racialization, white body supremacy is not episodic, it's structural. Remember that there were um, thousands of George Floyd before the one that you saw. Your bodily response to this, this horror, right? is not the same thing as you dealing with the structural aspects of this. George Floyd's death became a deeply personal and racial tragedy for many Americans. For the first time, white people were becoming aware of their whiteness and the systemic ways that white supremacy affects all of us. White people in particular get aroused, get upset, say this is unjust, this isn't right, this shouldn't happen. There's like an awakening that happens. And so part of their racial identity development is seeing that awakening. What they do with it is really the next piece of it. In this episode, we're tackling white racial identity and why understanding your whiteness is integral to becoming self-aware as a white person. I'm Nicole Ellis, and this is The New Normal. I am originally from a smaller town in Oklahoma. Whiteness was the default and whiteness was the comfort. Part of the structure of racism and the way that it's maintained is to keep us from recognizing that racism is a part of our daily lives. And so it's a longer term process of looking at your understanding of yourself in the world, both historically, but also contextually, the family you live in, the community you live in, and what role whiteness plays in that. 
the more you kind of dive into that, the more I'm really realizing how deeply rooted racism is into like my everyday thought process. No matter how much you work at that, there's still even almost more work to be done. A living embodied anti-racist culture does not exist among white people. White people got to start getting together, specifically around race. White accountability groups are really helpful in terms of having a place to process, having a group of people whose responsibility it is to call me on things or to challenge me. We're unpacking wrong things that we've been taught in history class. I realized that I needed to go back and unpack and reorganized everything that I had learned because it was completely through a white lens. Most of us in doing this work have experienced this where there's a period of deep shame for being white and for acknowledging the harm that our ancestors have caused. And that's a very legitimate piece of this work. And we can't ask people of color to hold our hands through the shame piece. That needs to happen with other white people. When you do that for one, two, three, four, five years, right? You end up with actually a community that is aligned with each other. In theory, that sounds like a good idea, but I guess I'm curious to hear, like, what are some of the pitfalls or risks that you run if that's the only step you take? The biggest answer is white people don't really understand racism. <laughs> And so if I'm relying on other white people to teach me about racism, that can only go so far. I only best understand racism by talking to people who are directly impacted by racism from different perspectives. So in addition to having white accountability groups and white accountability buddies, it's also really important to have sustained and meaningful relationships with people of color. I don't have the ability to like inherently name things as upholding white supremacy or as being racist. My whiteness is going to show up at different points in my life and at different points in different relationships. But is it fair or healthy to be seeking out relationships with people just to have a diverse network? Because I feel like for people of color, you're kind of constantly trying to gauge whether or not it's worth it to be vulnerable or share how someone hurt you when your white colleagues or co co-workers or friends mess up. There's a different cost for my friends of color to be in relationship with me. So I think one of the things that's really important is ongoing, being a friend on an ongoing basis for lots of different things, not just like thinking about racism as a part of our friendship when there's something horrible that happens. Those relationships are number one for me to um, be there for them as them for me, it's a, it's a relationship. And so it should be reciprocal, but also so that I have a broader understanding of the world. Everything I thought about how I existed. I could play hours. That's just a few of the segments that I picked out. They just fucking hate us. And the worst thing this year was this, Afghanistan. 33 helicopters, 3,000 Humvees, 32 MI-17, 3 C-130s, planes, 7,035 machine guns, launchers. We just gave it to them. The media lied. One week ago, I got this email from a retired Special Forces operator who is now a friend and partner 
I didn't believe him. Our government abandoned America's citizens, longtime allies in Afghanistan to be killed by the Taliban. Nothing has changed. And she was a liberal. President Biden told the American people that no one be left stranded in Afghanistan. He lied. 130 generals, who usually don't do this shit, asked for Miley and Austin to be retired. And the media ignored that 13 people were killed because of his incompetence. 13 warriors killed. It was complete incompetence. And then we started finding stuff out. It all came in chunks. They rewrote algorithms. But if you wanted to get information this year to find out what was going on and cut through the lies and spin, you had to go to Tucker. So here's some of the best of Tucker. In a warehouse, except it's not true. It now appears there actually was meaningful voter fraud in Fulton County, Georgia last November. That is not a conspiracy theory. It's true. From the beginning, this show has tried to be fact-based when we talk about the 2020 election results. So here's what we know tonight, factually. At least 36 batches of mail-in ballots from the November election were double-counted in Fulton County. That's a total of more than 4,000 votes. Those numbers come from a group called Voter GA, which along with Bob Cheeley sued to get them. The final tally from the double counts we know about amounts to more than 3,300 votes for Joe Biden and 865 votes for Donald Trump. Now, before you dismiss Bob Cheeley and Voter GA as dishonest partisan actors, keep in mind that the strongly leftist center Atlanta Journal-Constitution appears to agree with this, at least in outline. The newspaper reviewed the available digital ballot images independently and concluded that hundreds of ballots were improperly duplicated. What does that look like exactly? Well, here's what it looks like. At a press conference yesterday, a consultant with Voter GA called David Cross showed how we can be certain that votes in Fulton County were counted more than once. Watch. What I'm going to show you here is two ballots side by side. One of them is marked for Jason Shaw, and it's got a little squiggle mark next to it. You can see it's got the identical mark on the second one. And the ballot image is stored up here on the top left. So this one over here is scanner 5162, that's scanner number three, batch number 235, image number 19. And that matches 234, image 59. So you have the same ballot counted twice in the images and counted in the audit. How that's possible, I don't know. How's that possible? I don't know. Every American should want to know, because the answer gets to the heart of the integrity of our elections, otherwise known as our democracy. We're not talking about a couple of ballots here. We're talking about a lot of ballots, at least hundreds of ballots involved, enough potentially to affect the outcome of the election. Here's another example. Here's one of the next ones. All right, so same batch, number 234, image number two, and 235, image number 61, Republican, 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 all the way down to the point where this little spot up in Fannie Willis matches this one over here. There's no question that that ballot was counted twice. 
So what's the explanation for this? Well, if you ask Fulton County, these discrepancies, the ones you just saw on the screen, were isolated incidents. Just a handful of bad ballots happens all the time. The county claims that any errors were caught in previous recounts. The problem is that neither one... Welcome to Tucker Carlson tonight. Here's an amazing story. Yesterday, the Pentagon Special Operations Command made an announcement from its official Twitter account. Special Operations Command is a very significant thing in the U.S. military and in our country. It oversees Delta Force, the SEAL teams, and the rest of our most celebrated, best-trained, most lethal warfighters. So the tweet announced that a man called Richard Torres Estrada is now the, quote, chief of diversity and inclusion of America's special forces. And they included his picture with the announcement. Then at the very top of its website, the special operations included a link to its extensive, it's quite long, new diversity and inclusion strategic plan. Now, the one thing we know about that plan is that it will result in the dramatic lowering of standards within our elite ranks. It probably already has. So how will that make America safer? Well, the generals never said you couldn't find that on the website. Instead, they told us that, quote, all of us understand that diversity and inclusion are operational imperatives. They didn't say how, they just said they're imperatives. So this is the initiative that Richard Torres Estrada will be running. So the question is, who exactly is Richard Torres Estrada? Well, his Facebook page gives some indication of who he is. On it, you will find an attack on the police as racists. You'll find crude BLM propaganda. You will find a photograph of Donald Trump holding a Bible in front of a church. Next to Trump is a photograph of Adolf Hitler. The point is, they're the same. So this is the guy who now oversees hiring for the Navy SEALs. If you're wondering whether our military leadership has gone woke, you can consider that question settled for good. The Pentagon is now the Yale faculty lounge, but with cruise missiles. And that should concern you. Meanwhile, the rest of the world rolls on and gets more menacing by the day. Tonight, for example, the Suez Canal, one of the busiest shipping lanes in the world, is blocked by a stranded container ship. Was it an accident? Maybe, maybe not. We don't know. What we do know is that the Suez Canal is vital to the world's economy. That's not an overstatement. The Suez Canal is one of only about a dozen strategic choke points that control virtually all global trade. And now it's closed. So this is a challenge to America's critical national interests. How is the Pentagon responding to that? Well, they're occupied with other things right now. For the last month, the entire U.S. military has been operating under a so-called stand-down order that was issued by the new Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, the defense contractor now running the military. Lloyd Austin believes the real threat to America is not the Chinese government or paralyzed global trade. The real threat to this country is people who didn't vote for Joe Biden. Watch. And if confirmed, I will fight hard to stamp out sexual assault and to rid our ranks of racists and extremists. The job of the Department of Defense is to keep America safe from our enemies. But we can't do that if some of those enemies lie within our own ranks. So Republicans voted to confirm him. He is himself an extremist. And they have said virtually nothing about Lloyd Austin since because they're paralyzed. They're paralyzed because Lloyd Austin has no problem calling his opponents racist immediately, ridding our ranks of racists and extremists. The key question is, how does Lloyd Austin define a racist or an extremist? The definition matters. The show has been denounced as a dangerous white supremacist organ for the crime of reading Martin Luther King quotes on the air. So it's worth finding out what those words mean. But Lloyd Austin doesn't provide 
a definition. And that's not accidental, because what you're seeing is not an attempt to make the military better. What you're seeing is a political purge of the military. Consider what has been happening during the military's training on, quote, extremism. A lot of enlisted soldiers have asked a pretty basic question. Hey, wait a minute. Weren't the BLM and Antifa rioters this summer extremists? Seems like they were. They murdered people. They murdered a lot more people than died at the Capitol on January 6th. A lot more. They burned businesses. They wrecked cities. In some places, it took the National Guard to stop them. So why aren't these people, quote, extremists? Hmm, good question. Well, a man called Ramon Colon Lopez was called in to explain why, to tell the troops why they were wrong. Colon Lopez is the senior enlisted advisor to the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. These questions, he conceded, are, quote, coming from every echelon that we're talking to. Some people may think, all right, so the events of 6th of January happened. How come you're not looking at the situation that was going on in Seattle prior to that? Well, yeah, exactly. Kind of an obvious question. Well, Ramon Colon Lopez has an answer. Actually, it's more of a threat. Quote, I am concerned about the way that some people are looking at the current environment. And what they are thinking, they can do and act upon based upon their personal beliefs. Oh, in other words, if you ask questions like these obvious questions, you are by definition dangerous. Clone Lopez said he was working hard to, quote, make sure that military members understand the difference between Seattle and Washington, D.C. All right, what are those differences exactly? Well, here's one. BLM, Clone Lopez explained, is a, quote, social injustice organization, and therefore it's not extreme. Also, quote, when the military called upon us to go ahead and support an effort in Washington, we did. We never got called for the law enforcement issue that was happening in Seattle. Oh, so the mayor of Seattle never called the National Guard to put down Antifa. Therefore, Antifa is not an extremist organization. Well, that's ludicrous, obviously. In fact, it's not even true. Actually, the National Guard did deploy to Seattle during the riots last summer, but whatever. Colon Lopez's job isn't to make sense. It's to send a political message from the Joe Biden administration. We're in charge now. This week, we spoke to a DEA agent who was fired for being in Washington on January 6th. He didn't riot. He never even went into the Capitol building. In fact, he defended the cops outside against the rioters. He's on video doing that, but it didn't matter. He didn't vote for Joe Biden, so he's gone. And he's hardly alone. Earlier this month, the FBI arrested a man from Oklahoma called Anthony Alfred Griffith. According to the FBI, here's Anthony Alfred Griffith's crime. He walked into the Capitol building through open doors and took pictures. Then he handed those pictures to federal investigators. Here's the FBI's criminal complaint against Griffith. It accuses him, quote, of witnessing multiple people trying to break down a door. Oh, he saw it happen. So for the crime of witnessing other people of trying to break down a door, Anthony Alfred Griffith now faces seven years in prison. But don't worry, people like Anthony Alfred Griffith, our leaders tell us, are extremists, they're white supremacists, and our military needs to be laser focused on making certain that no one who votes like these people do can ever serve in the armed forces again. We absolutely need to look at uh, uh, any type of white supremacists that are still members of the military and how they're being targeted for recruitment by, by white supremacist groups. And we need to weed this out. This whole idea of uh, police officer on police officer violence with those officers who have been turned by white extremists is really scary to me. And I know it's got to be scary for the other police officers. I am considering legislation to create a standalone 
a punitive article in the Uniform Code of Military Justice to, to address violent extremism in the and to, to send a message of deterrence that this kind of conduct will not be tolerated in the military. We've seen a lot of reports highlighting how many of the attackers were veterans. Um, and there's been really a growing recognition that the military has to do more to address extremism in its ranks. It's really an amazing clip. The first two people you saw speaking, Hirono and Duckworth, are extremists. They're the most extreme members of the U.S. Senate. They went on television this week to tell us that people with the wrong skin color couldn't be hired for federal jobs. Did anyone at the Capitol on January 6th call for that? Not one person that we're aware of, and we denounced it immediately. So they're extremists by definition, and they're lecturing us about extremism. The military has to do more to address extremism. And in a way, they're doing that by aggressively promoting extremism. Every two months, senior enlisted leaders in the military gather for something called the Commanding General Stewardship of the Army Profession Forum. In January, that forum included a, quote, professional dialogue on the racist hate tract, White Fragility, written by lunatic Robin D'Angelo. No one condemned Robin D'Angelo's obvious extremism. They celebrated it. Just last month, someone called Lieutenant General Brad Webb, the commander of the Air Force Education and Training Command, made it very explicit. He acknowledged that the Air Force was recruiting candidates with a private pilot's license. Now, that might seem like a wise course. Flying planes is what the Air Force does. But to Lieutenant General Brad Webb, no, that's systemic racism. One of the other areas uh, in line with that has been uh, aptitude tests. Yes, sir. Uh, and in fact, the chief <laughs> uh, mentioned that one as well uh, in his talk the other day. Uh, but we are deep uh, underway in uh, updating uh, pilot tests and also officer qualification tests mm -hmm. that, ha that at its root, you know, you, you, get, uh, you get a weighted score if you have a private pilot's license. Well, that's a socioeconomic uh, yes. influencer. In other words, if you're rich enough to afford to have private pilot uh, time, you can get a license. That ought not be, uh, you know, weighted right. <laughs> uh, in, in such a way that you exclude, uh, you know, you know, various uh, ethnic groups. So the real question is, how did a doughy moron like that end up with an important job in the military? This isn't the Department of Transportation. It's not the DMV. This is a serious thing. This is the federal aid. This is the story of a soldier who operates your nation's Patriot Missile Defense Systems. It begins in California, with a little girl raised by two moms. Although I had a fairly typical childhood, took ballet, played violin. I also marched for equality. I like to think I've been defending freedom from an early age. When I was six years old, one of my moms had an accident that left her paralyzed. Doctors said she might never walk again. But she tapped into my family's pride to get back on her feet, eventually standing at the altar to marry my other mom. With such powerful role models, I finished high school at the top of my class and then attended UC Davis, where I joined a sorority full of other strong women. But as graduation approached, I began feeling like I'd been handed so much in life. 
a sorority girl stereotype. Sure, I'd spent my life around inspiring women, but what had I really achieved on my own? One of my sorority sisters was studying abroad in Italy. Another was climbing Mount Everest. I needed my own adventures, my own challenge. And after meeting with an army recruiter, I found it. A way to prove my inner strength and maybe shatter some stereotypes along the way. I'm U.S. Army Corporal And you've got to ask yourself as you watch the historic tragedy that is Joe Biden's immigration policy, what's the point of this? Nothing about it is an accident, obviously. It's intentional. Joe Biden did it on purpose. But why? Why would a president do this to his own country? No sane first world nation opens its borders to the world, promising the poorest people on the planet that they can have endless free taxpayer funded services if they show up and break your laws. That's not just stupid, it's suicidal. For generations, middle-class Americans have had access to the best healthcare in the world, but not anymore. That's over for good. Our system cannot handle this many destitute newcomers, period. Imagine what hospitals are gonna look like a year from now. How about schools? What Joe Biden is doing now will change this country forever. So again, why is he doing it? There's only one plausible answer. You're not allowed to say it out loud. CNN will attack you if you do. The social media companies will shut you down. The Southern Poverty Law Center will call you dangerous. You could lose your bank account. The left will become completely unhinged and hysterical, and that's how you know it's true. They only censor the true things. Nobody gets in trouble for claiming the earth is flat. So it could be risky for us to explain what's actually happening here, but for once, we don't need to do that. Joe Biden himself has already done it for us. Here's Biden explaining the entire point of mass immigration back in 2015 when he was vice president. An unrelenting stream of immigration, nonstop, nonstop. Folks like me who were Caucasian of European descent for the first time in 2017, we'll be in an absolute minority in the United States of America. Absolute minority. Fewer than 50% of the people in America from then and on will be white European stock. That's not a bad thing. That's a, that's a source of our strength. An unrelenting stream of immigration. But why? Well, Joe Biden just said it to change the racial mix of the country. That's the reason, to reduce the political power of people whose ancestors lived here and dramatically increase the proportion of Americans newly arrived from the third world. And then Biden went further. He said that non-white DNA is the, quote, source of our strength. Imagine saying that. This is the language of eugenics. It's horrifying. But there's a reason Biden said it. In political terms, this policy is called the Great Replacement, the replacement of legacy Americans with more obedient people from faraway countries. They brag about it all the time, but if you dare to say it's happening, they will scream at you with maximum hysteria. And here you have Joe Biden confirming his motive on tape with a smile on his face. No one who talks like this should ever be the president of the United States. The president of the United States has a moral obligation to represent all Americans equally, not just those of a specific color. For four years, remember, they told you that Donald Trump was a racist. But has anyone ever shown that Trump in his entire life said anything half as disgusting as what Joe Biden said on that tape? No, no one's ever shown that. Now, you're not supposed to notice this, of course, and to keep you from noticing, 
what Joe Biden is doing and why. They are, as always, accusing you of their sins. Here are two sitting members of Congress telling you that it's racist to enforce immigration law. Watch. Congress must do the work of investigating and ensuring accountability of the egregious and white supremacist behavior of Border Patrol agents in Del Rio, Texas. What we witness takes us back hundreds of years. What we witnessed was worse than what we witnessed in slavery. Cowboys with their reins again whipping black people, Haitians, into the water where they're scrambling and falling down when all they're trying to do is escape from violence in their country. It's worse than slavery, enforcing our own laws. That was Maxine Waters. Everything she just said is a lie. The Haitians now in Texas aren't trying to escape violence in their own country. They haven't been in Haiti in years. They have been living in South America. Many even had refugee status in South American countries like Chile and Brazil. But that wasn't good enough. They waited for Joe Biden to become president and they came here for the free health care and housing that Joe Biden promised them. So now they have arrived. Why wouldn't they? You would. Who wouldn't? So here's what it looks like tonight in South Texas. A stunning scene more reminiscent of a third world country than the United States. Over 10,000 migrants are crammed underneath the international bridge here after crossing illegally into the United States. Many using sticks, plants, and whatever they can find to build shelter as they wait to be processed by Border Patrol. From above, a Fox News drone reveals the size and scope of the crisis, showing a camp that reached a population of 15,000 at its climax because of this. Over the weekend, we gained exclusive access to a boat on the Rio Grande, and we watched as a constant stream of hundreds of migrants crossed the river from Mexico, entering the United States illegally, hundreds at a time gathering on the shoreline before walking to the bridge. Does that look like the country you grew up in? No. We don't have to put up with this. We could solve it in a day. The administration could send these people back immediately. Haitians are not bad people. A lot of them are great people. But we have no obligation to let them into our country. American citizens owe no debt to Haiti. Haiti was never an American colony. Haiti has been an independent country for more than 200 years, since 1804. And for much of that time, we have sent Haiti a whole lot of aid. So however sad and dysfunctional Haiti might be, it is not our fault. That's for sure. And yet Joe Biden is now punishing Border Patrol officers who tried to enforce the law, who dared to deter Haitians from entering this country illegally with their reins. They weren't whips, they were reins. It doesn't matter to the Biden administration. The officer's real crime was trying to do their job, trying to stop illegal migration into this country. They've now been suspended, they will likely be fired. Can you imagine punishing law enforcement for enforcing the law? This is insane. Why do American citizens have a duty to follow the law at this point? That's an honest question. People are gonna start asking that question. The White House spent most of today calling those officers' actions horrific. Really, how were they horrific? The White House never told us. That's because no one ever cared about whether the whip was real or not. Joe Biden's press secretary is an accomplished liar, so she understands the principle well. Here she is, in one of the great clips of all time, claiming that, unlike you, Haitians do not need to show vaccination cards. Why? If somebody walks into the country, right across the river, does somebody ask them to see their vaccination card? Well, let me explain to you again, Peter, how our process works. 
as individuals as individuals come across the border uh, and uh, they are uh, both assessed for whether they have uh, any symptoms if they have symptoms they are the intention is for them to be quarantined that is our process they're not intending to stay here for a lengthy period of time oh so Haitians entering our country illegally from God knows where are not required to show vaccination cards because, quote, they're not intending to stay here for a lengthy period of time. Really? So let's say you go out to a restaurant in Midtown Manhattan. Do you intend to stay in that restaurant for a lengthy period of time for years? No, you just want to have dinner. But in order to get inside, you still need to show a vaccination card. Why? Oh, because you were born here. You're not Haitian, so you don't get a pass. Let's be honest, none of these people are ever going home. That's just true. According to the Associated Press, quote, many Haitian migrants camped in the small Texas border town are now being released into the United States. Haitians, one official told the Associated Press, have been freed on a, quote, very, very large scale. Oh, of course. In recent days, Fox News has confirmed that many of these Haitians are not even be giving, being given court dates, as Bill Malugin just told us. They'd be giving something called advisory notices requesting that they show up at some point in the future. Any woman claiming to be pregnant is immediately being waved into the country, no proof necessary. Her child would be instantly an American citizen. You know, the media lost their shit over this, but when you really break it down, there's the op-ed. That's the op-ed. I mean, what do you want us to do? We're taking you at your word. You say, you can replace them because after 2012, you believe that you could do whatever you wanted because there was always going to be a group of people, of minorities, that you can count on to win your elections. And the military, I played the video. I mean, he's right. They went woke and then Afghanistan happened. So what the fuck do you think people think? You're more concerned with woke than metal task. And then we just keep peeling the onion back. Peel back the onion. Here we go. We got... Um, they rewrote the algorithms. They even admitted they did. Wisconsin Commission... And I'm fucking up because I'm not on the thing right here. Uh, election commission shattered laws by telling nursing home staffers to illegally cast ballots. People are going to jail up there because everything in Molly Hemingway's book is true. All of it. New research shows without Facebook illegally running polling stations. Now it's illegal because we made laws. They don't win. Google researcher warns a danger of new Axios election project because you know they're going to do it. And then we have another one of these threads. This is just a normal American. I was going to put up the Matrix picture to end the show, and I probably will. They're just red people, red pilling people. In the last 48 hours, a government media have lied about the reason for protests in Cuba. A president called everyone who wants to secure an accessible, uh, accessible elections a racist. Our Secretary of State invited authoritarian regimes 
from corrupt international organizations to come. The media is pumping Steele Dossier Part 2, PP Tape Boogaloo, like we're going to buy it. We see the chair of Joint Chiefs as a politicized hack. It was completely off the rails. The press tech secretary just told us the Biden is ending the scientific inquiry by leveraging big tech as an arm of the government. The DNC wants to leverage common carriers to decide what tests you get. The HHC secretary says the government has a right to know if you're vaccinated. This is just off the top of my head. It's all there. Tom Elliott. They said Trump colluded with Russia and the FBI saved us. Then we learned Hillary and FBI colluded with Russia. They told us the Steele dossier was corroborated. Then we learned it's entirely debunked. They said their surveillance state would never be used against America. And then we learned it happens all the time. They told us snotty Catholic student tormented a Native American. Then we learned it was the other way around. They told us Michael Avani was a warrior for justice. Then we learned he's a serial felon and exploits vulnerable clients. They told us Kavanaugh was a serial rapist. Then they learned there was no proof. They told us they despite spies acts of abuse against women then they defended biden's pattern of sexual harassment they told us trump would call with ukraine president was impeachable then they made the excuse for biden getting caught doing the same thing it said blm riots were righteous acts of social justice then they say a small or less violent protest was literal terrorism they say right-wing extremists tried kidnapping governor whitmer then we realized Actually, the FBI did it. They told us the USPS was conspiring to steal the election. Then we learned it was all conspiracy theory. It said Hunt and Laptop was a Russian disinformation. Then we learned it was actually real. They told us the FBI were American stalwart defender of justice rule of law. Then we learned they aided and embedded sex trafficking. They told us they needed two weeks to stop the spread. Then almost two years later, we're called selfish and wanted our lives back. They told us they follow science wherever it leads. They, 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 then they led campaign to have science censored. It said mass stop the spread. Then we learned they do nothing. They told us Governor Cuomo totalitarian approach to COVID was a model. Then we learned he was running death camps and covering up the evidence. They said Fauci was American COVID savior. Then we learned he accidentally helped invent it. They told us COVID never came from a lab. Then we learned that it's almost guaranteed it did. They told us 50% vaccinated would mean no more surges. Then we saw surges. They told us Trump fans brought zip ties to kidnap lawmakers and kill cop with a fire extinguisher. Then we learned did none of these things. They told us attack was planned on Parler. Then we learned it was Facebook. Now they say the FBI never would have involved in January 6th riot yet they probably were they're fucking hypocrites because they're caught and when you use their words against them they flip the fuck out they just flip the fuck out so to two sound bites that i thought were fantastic ben dominic and tyrus Starts right now. Hey ben. Thank you, Brett. Thanks so much. Good evening and welcome to Fox News Primetime. All this week I've been coming to you urging you to rouse yourself, put on the armor of ideas, join with your neighbors and take a stand as a wide awake American. What does it mean to be wide awake? What are you prepared to do if you are? The challenges we face are enormous. From outsourcing to stagnating wages, a disconnected Wall Street, woke schools and corporations, depleted police, rising crime, cartel-driven chaos at the border, and an emboldened China prepared to eat our lunch. All of it, the results of policies our elites have made. Those policies can change. 
Do you think when left-wing activists ask, what can we do, they take elections have consequences, go to the ballot box in two years, as an answer? No, because that's stupid defeatist talk that we've been fed by stupid defeatist Republicans for decades. The answer is not just to vote. It's to organize and to make it known you are organizing against the deterioration of everything that made our American communities great. So run for office, create a media organization to FOIA curriculum, start a neighborhood group, present yourself under an umbrella that welcomes all other responsible members of your community who are sick and tired of being sick and tired and are willing to stand up. These petty school board mask and race obsessed tyrants aren't out of your reach. Start with them. The teacher's refusal to teach our children has let parents into the classroom via Zoom and exposed that they're abusing children with racist and evil ideologies. So now we're staying, and those Zoom cameras aren't going off. Tell them in no uncertain terms, you've lost your right to privacy with my children. Are your local prosecutors refusing to prosecute? They're new, and they're next. You won't defend us from crime? I'm the guy who does his job. You must be the other guy. Support local endeavors. Your local cops, your local firemen, your local businesses. Support people whose names you know with your money and your time instead of strangers on the internet or paying Jeff Bezos to play Space Cowboy. The dilapidated American Legion post? Go there. You can join and support them even if you aren't a serviceman. You'll be amazed how happy some of the old uh, timers are to see a new face to share a beer with or host a cookout. And if you can ask one of them to take you to the range, learn a thing or two or more about how to defend yourself, your home, and your family, if the left really does put the police in a box, that's a good thing. It's cheaper than private security, that's for sure. After all this time worrying about our physical health, mind your spiritual health. Go to church on Sunday. If you've fallen away, go back. Make it a habit for you and your family. Teach that God is there all the time and for all time. If you're Catholic, teach your kids the rosaries and the stations of the cross. If you're not, put a priority on belief in your life. Say prayers before dinner and before bed. Read to your children and grandchildren Bible stories and American history at bedtime. It was good for Abraham Lincoln and it's good for them. Join the clubs, go to the cookouts, bring the chili, stay after for donuts, or organize it if it isn't already happening. Invite people over to your house for dinner. Get to know your neighbors and your neighborhood. Cultivate the art of hospitality and use it as a tool to build community. Let them know you're there to help, to volunteer, to be present for those in need. Without thriving families and strong, close-knit communities, we will never rescue or rebuild this republic. Taking all these steps to save your community is a form of cultural voting. America was never supposed to rely on government to create a moral citizenry. The citizenry produces a moral government. That's why all these small steps can be more important than voting. But also understand how far behind we are. Our churches have been demolished by the pandemic. Our institutions are feeble or overrun with wokeness. Our neighborhoods are ravaged by homelessness and drug use. Our schools are full of anti-American race baiters. Our woke military is woefully unprepared for war with China. This is going to be very, very hard. Is it hard to do this when any crazed leftist at CNN can, in an instant, destroy your livelihood, attack your family, and unperson you? Of course, whoever said defending liberty would be easy. They want you to sleep. They want you to kneel. They want you to fade away. And they demand and expect it. In the end, you will always kneel.
Not to men like you. There are no men like me. There are always men like you. You may be canceled. You may be fired. You may have to give your family permission to disavow your viral video. Chardonnay Antifa may come after you to prove their dutiful usefulness and protect their trust funds and McMansions. Your office may have to study a Twitter-sponsored corporate race hustler like Ibram X. Kendi for your sins. The Atlantic may use you as a hook for an article. The six inevitable retractions will come later. Joy Reid may do an entire segment on you. The least popular person in your sociology class will surely message you on Facebook to let you know about that one. How much easier, how much more comfortable would it be to stay asleep, enjoy the many worldly benefits of the on-demand economy, and when it comes to politics, stay quiet, go with the flow, just play dead, counting the days until you are. I'm glad you uh, got dressed today. Because oh, in my culture, we wear tracksuits. Are you attacking a black man on his wardrobe, bro? Because I wear a suit, but, you know, I'm built like you. So I need to let my stuff breathe, bro. I find the most insulting thing yes. for me, and this is why I have such issues with it. I always talk about that reverse racism, that polite racism. Mm -hmm. My culture, my people, we came up out of slavery. We came up out of Jim Crow. We came up not getting jobs. And we don't have the ability to get an ID. Yeah. Are, you, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, it's just embarrassing to me that that's what they try to do. And they try to put it on us. Like, we're the only ones affected. Like, oh, it's against black people. So you're saying we're the only ones who can't get IDs? Like, it's ridiculous. Here's the deal. When you try to influence people to vote for you and you want to herd them in like cattle to vote your way, it's annoying when they have IDs and ideas. So you don't want that. Right. So you'll just line, you'll go to a neighborhood and be like, get on the bus, everyone get on the bus, everyone vote for Biden, let's go, let's go, let's everyone vote for the guy I want. And sure, then there's no IDs there. <laughs> so that's the problem. That's the real issue. And here's the thing about moving. Hank Aaron. This was supposed to be a celebration of Hank Aaron. Mm -hmm. This brother was breaking Babe Ruth's home run record. He had real racist death threats. People were wanting to kill him, wanting bad things to happen to him. Did he ask to be traded to the San Diego Padres? No. He went up there and he hit the damn home run. He stood his ground. And we remember it today. And he's a hero today. So to, if he would have packed up his bag and left, yeah. he wouldn't have a story. Is that what you're telling us? If you disagree with something, we'll just go somewhere else. That's what that's the, the part that bothers me so much because it goes against everything that my ancestors fought for to pack up and leave. We're going to go. And it's embarrassing to me. I, I just it's keep it real. It has nothing to do with black people. It has everything to do with your party and how to do. If you lose an election, you can still run stuff. You're not the governor, but you are the governor. So we got to get rid of everything. So that, I'm just breaking it down as real as I can be. It has absolutely nothing to do with the color of your skin. It has to do with, I want you to vote this way. And if you have an ID, you probably got your own idea. Mm, you can't spell idea without ID. There you go. Bye weekend. We're going to start a new family tradition in my family on the 4th of July. And every 4th of July going forward, we're going to watch that video that the New York Times put together of, Jan of January 6th. Nice. And every Arbor Day, we'll watch video of you being dumb as a stump. <laughs> yes, it's Friday and we're all drunk.
Not really, but what a show we have for you. The great comedian Joe Mackey is here. Yeah. Put on his favorite members only jacket. <laughs> Although it was awkward for me when I walked in during his pre show warm up. <laughs> Whatever you're into. And Carly Simkiss and Kat are with us. Isn't that great? Yes. Uh, even though uh, their happy hour didn't end well. And we're done. Now, maybe get an Uber next time. Yeah. So C-SPAN just announced its ranking of presidents based on the analysis of 142 historians, and this guy didn't win. It's the guy from uh, uh, Idiocracy, Carly. But the, the story isn't the rankings, because you can pretty much guess the outcome. It's going to be the guy who freed the slaves. A Republican, in case everyone forgot. Feel free to remind the mob as they tear down his statue. And, of course, Barack Obama is near the top, although he wasn't number one, which clearly makes this entire survey racist. In fact, including other presidents on this list who are all white is disgusting. They should have made the whole list Obama. <laughs> But the story isn't the ranking, it's the coverage of the ranking. We've had a lot of presidents, at least 15, Kat. But the media only cared about one. Politico's headline, Trump debuts at 41st in C-SPAN rankings. CNN's headline, Trump is one of history's worst presidents, survey says. Sounds like CNN's ripping off Family Feud again. From Business Insider, historians rank Trump among worst presidents in history. USA Today, historians rank Trump near the bottom. U.S. News also says Trump debuts near the bottom of the survey. And CNN double dips, because it's Trump. Presidential historian says Trump should not be happy with this. Yeah, because the negative opinion of professors matters to the most famous person on earth. Uh, Melania, those men with the pipes don't like me. Fetch me the Lexapro from the yacht. That's a terrible impression, by the way. <laughs> There's slate what it takes to be a worse president than Trump. And finally, the Washington Post, historians just ranked the president. Trump wasn't last. So you know what this reminds me of? When some girl just broke up with your best friend and while your friend keeps saying how relieved that it's over and she's gone, he still can't talk, stop talking about her. He won't shut up about her. That's the media. They're heartsick because the bad boy who gave them the most attention isn't around to stoke that passion anymore. You know, once you've fried your taste buds with flaming Hot Cheetos, you can't switch back to cream corn. <laughs> that's, that's what Joe has for breakfast and lunch and dinner because it's creamed. Just eat it, sometimes through a straw. Now, none of the headlines even mention the winner. Nothing matters except for Trump. It doesn't border on obsession. It is an obsession. The Calvin Klein fragrance for a media who just can't let go. And it manifests itself in hilarious ways, like those headlines, but also in vindictive ways. Manhattan DA Cy Vance punctuated his long-running investigation into the Trump organization with indictments. Take a look. 
The charges could lay the groundwork for the next steps in the wider investigation, which will focus on Mr. Trump. The way the Times is reporting this tonight, it sounds like that's what's next. With a focus on Mr. Trump himself. Never seen anything like this. A former president's family business and its chief financial officer charged with a 15-year alleged tax scheme. Most troubling for the former president isn't what's in these pages. It's that this story reads like it's just one chapter and there could be more to come. <laughs> just one chapter, like your brother's book. <laughs> you can't be talking about anything right now, pal. Oh God, they're so excited. Tick, tick, boom, it happened finally. It's worse than Watergate. Where's that guy? Everyone's going to jail. But uh, did you see the charges? Yeah, after pouring over years of tax records, all they got was an alleged failure to pay taxes on corporate perks, something that would have been settled with a fine. This charge is the tax equivalent of tearing the tag off a mattress. <laughs> but it's Trump, so they pulled out all the stops and the handcuffs. The prosecutors made a show of handcuffing the company CFO, some old guy, and walking him down a hall crowded with reporters. How classy. So political enemies get the perp walk while violent criminals get a quicker release than Hunter Biden logging on to Pornhub. <laughs> I've never heard of that place. <laughs> if you run a company and on the government's radar, you should worry a little. This was obviously a political inquisition, not a criminal one, a revenge fantasy playing out to justify the years and resources devoted to this case. As Stalin's head of secret police said, show me the man and I'll show you the crime. So they put some old guy in cuffs because it's Trump. It might seem like a small thing, a tax case in NYC, but it's just another example of how Trump derangement poisons so many things and hurts so many people. You have an entire party rejecting law and order because Trump was for it. The result, an explosion in crime and death. You have an entire party rejecting practical solutions on the border because Trump was for those solutions. Result, border chaos and children being abandoned. You have an entire party and media mocking anything Trump said about COVID. The result, China escapes culpability. If Trump promoted oxygen, they'd hold their breath until they ended up brain dead, which is perfect for hosting a show on CNN. It's an interesting phenomenon watching people inflict pain on their own country because Trump reminds them of their daddy who didn't love them, which is why the survey deeply comforts the media as they wonder if Orange Godzilla ever thinks of them as much as they think of him. He doesn't because that would be impossible. Every one of those was spot the fuck on. I threw a gut felt in there. But black voting rights, what do blacks really think? Media never interview anybody that isn't liberal. So how do you know as Americans? So most people run around thinking that when a red state makes a law, it's restricting everything about voting. When it's actually the opposite. It's the left that's restricting the rights of voters by trying to replace them and curb them and rig everything so they're at the advantage. Two op-eds this year that I thought were really great. I wanted to do just two. Byron York, Biden, Brandon, and F-word politics. Recently, recently, the Washington Post published a news, news article. Biden's critics hurl increasingly vulgar taunts, exploring what the paper says is a growing phenomenon of people around the country directing raw insults at the president. 
As an example, the paper pointed to Joe Biden's recent visit to his hometown in Scranton, where a woman stood on the street with a sign that said FJB, and at other times, <clears throat> Biden detractors say simply FJB while stands for you know what. All this derision directed towards the president has disturbed some of the media. Biden is increasingly becoming an object of hatred to many Trump supporters, the Washington Post reportedly reported, conceding that boos, jeers, and insults are nothing new for politicians. The paper nevertheless declared the current eruption of anti-Biden signs and changes, however, is on another level, level far more vulgar and widespread. To which anyone who is awake from 16 to 20 might ask, what? In case you've forgotten, the level of hostility towards Trump and the prominence of those attacking the president far exceeded anything seen so far with Biden administration. In June 28, actor Robert De Niro appeared at the Tonys and said it. June 2020, Los Angeles Art Gallery organized a hybrid visual ex exhibition and protests where all the words works read, fuck Trump. August 2017, the rapper Eminem did something. These are just three examples of a very widespread phenomenon. Anyone paying any attention during that time will remember them. But now, the Washington Post says there's a new phenomenon. Does anyone really believe that? It might be more accurate to say fuck Trump prepared the way for the age of fuck Joe Biden, but that's not exactly true. While some are indeed saying fuck Joe Biden, it's worth recognizing that the let's go Brandon phenomenon is all about suggestion rather than the real world. As the Post suggested, insulting the president just has a long history, but it's fair to say the fuck Trump years are pretty robust. And then Andrew Sullivan. When all the media narratives collapse. The news is a perilous business. It's perilous because the first draft of history is almost always somewhat wrong and needs a second draft and a third and on and on over time until the historian can investigate with more perspective and calm. The job of journalists is to do as best they can day by day and respond swiftly when they screw up, correct the record, and move forward. I've learned this the hard way after 9-11. But when the sources of news keep getting these things wrong and all the errors lie in the exact same direction and they are reluctant to acknowledge error, we have a problem. If you look back at the last few years, the record of errors, small and large, about major stories is hard to deny. It's as if the mere more Donald Trump accused the MSF of being fake news, they decided to do it. And these mass deceptions have consequences. We're seeing this now with the Rittenhouse case. A gruesome story. <clears throat> the impression many got from much of the media was a far-right vigilante in the middle of the race riots had gone looking for trouble. And he lists it. And then this article, which I've read once before, goes on and on, as the many threads have, to break down everything they've gotten wrong under Biden. And it makes you think, do they not care about ratings? Do they not care about truth? Do they not care about anything anymore? It just seems the whole establishment is actually just there to run interference. And it's just not mere politics. It's everything now. Every possible thing about America is horrible. And I think that's why for our last lighter fair of the year, this song by Aaron 
Lewis just really hit me. Am I the only one here tonight? Shaking my head and thinking something ain't right Is it just me? Am I losing my mind? Am I standing on the edge of the end of time? Am I the only one? Tell me I'm not Who thinks of taking all the good we got And turning it back Hell, I'll be damned I think I'm turning into my old man Am I the only one willing to bleed or Take a bullet for being free Screaming what the fuck at my TV For telling me, yeah, are you telling me That I'm the only one willing to fight For my love of the red and white and the blue Burn Another statue coming down in a town near Watching the threads of old glory come under Am I the only one not brainwashed Making my way through the land of the lost Who still gives a shit and worries about his kids As they try to undo all the things he did Am I the only one who can't take no more screaming If you don't like it, there's a fucking door This ain't the freedom we've been fighting for It was something more, yeah, it was something more the only one Oh, no. 
I'm not the only one And <clears throat> on the red and blue pill from the Matrix. They're saying they're red pilling people. It's been rattling in my head because I don't think it's the same thing it used to be. My sister wouldn't consider herself a Republican. I don't think my brother would. I know I wouldn't. Gigi doesn't. My spouse. I don't think it, no, it, it no longer means Republican or Democrat. As many liberals or what they would think of themselves as Democrats are now getting red-pilled because they believe in free will. They believe in personal liberties to be able to live your own life and do what you want to do. They believe in their family and they believe in this country. They don't think it's that bad a place. But when you're blue pill now, it's conformity, obedience, get no respect because the moment you disagree, you get the fascism. And that's all they have. BLM, fascism. LGBT groups, fascism. The cult of climate, fascism. And sadly, because of the way we've let this country go with Obama and now Biden, every institution's on board. They don't go out and, I mean, they're going after people because of a fucking diary. January 6th defendants getting excessive sentences. Anybody on George Floyd should let go. It's insane. And we have a media that's blue-pilled. Whenever something doesn't go, you watch these midterms that are coming up in 2022. If the Republicans win, it's because of racism, misinformation, Russia. <clears throat> and Chuck Todd will be apoplectic that you didn't listen to him. Remember after 16, they wanted to go and see why it happened. But all the articles turned into, I'm on a dirt road somewhere in Iowa and I want to kill myself. These dirty people. They hate you. They just fucking hate you and there's no way to get around how much they fucking hate you. And that's our media and that's the current crop of politicians running us. If you don't obey, they're going to crush you. Ruin your fucking life because you misgendered. <clears throat> or you said, fuck Joe Biden. Mark my words, that father is fucked. He lives in Oregon. We will find out he loses his job over this. You watch. You're not allowed to do that. Even as he says, I don't consider myself a Trumper. Doesn't matter. 
Because remember, black people just won office in the last election, and they're white supremacists too. It's a black person speaking white words we saw. They are the fascists. So my closing thoughts on 2021 was we saw what I said in 2020. They are the fascists. We saw them rig an election, take over, try to shove everything down, say they had a mandate when they clearly didn't. He squeaked out his election. I don't give a fuck how many extra votes you got in California and New York. That shit don't count. You don't get extra credit for votes because you're a blue state. Red states don't get them. They lied about everything. Even when it was obvious. Because they believe they can. That being the media and the left. And it's sad. I mean, when we closed 2020, I thought things maybe would stabilize. Maybe we would back bring back civility. Because I was, like everybody else, tired of the tweets. Instead of tweeting it, they say it on your TV every night. We're all garbage humans because we won't listen to them. Yeah, that's great. So that wraps up the last. And my shit's acting crazy. Oh, for the love of God. Podcast of 2021. I'm going to take this freaking thing out. There we go. Something happened. Oh, God bless America. We're just ending like we've been all freaking year. All sorts of fuck up. There we go. You notice I'm not going to edit it out. I'll be honest. Something jammed on this shit. Oh, keyboard wasn't turned on. <laughs> Good shit. Please go to foppodcast.com. Share this with your friends and family. It'll give you links to Rumble and SoundCloud. I want to thank everybody who listened to every podcast. I once again apologize that at the end, from about August on, you got some really crappy podcasts and you got very few. But I'm hoping 2022 will start off the right way. I will not do a podcast next weekend. I'm going to enjoy uh, Saturday and Sunday with my wife, the last day and the first day. So let's uh, look at our next podcast will be, oh, for the love of God, come on. Oh, wow. Okay, can we just, can we go to the calendar? Thank you. Sorry, I'm still trying to work out Windows 11. A lot of that's just crazy. Let's go with a uh, 8 January 2022 podcast will be our next one. Till then, disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah yeahs. Enjoy the last week of 2021. Have a happy new year. We'll end up with a happy new year theme going on our outtake today. Once again, I hope you all had a great Christmas, and I look forward to having some good shows next year. Thanks for listening. Take care.
Thank you.